This episode is brought to you by the letter H. For all of our hopes and dreams. So give us some motherfucking green. Let's get this shit started. This is Flo, and you're rocking with me here at No Days Off Podcast. Hold up, wait a minute, take a load off, how you feeling? If you're looking for a place to work through it, well you found it, No Days Off. Is this thing on? Hello? Boom. Can you hear me? This is where the boom sound goes in, brother. Like from um, the Breakfast Club. Oh, they do that. I guess everybody does that, yeah. probably. Well, can we get some type of explosion? Can we be fireworks? Did they do that, too? Can we get like a like a rainbow sound? What does a rainbow sound like? Like I don't mean to sound ignorant. No, you know, like when reading rainbow, it would like end and it would go like... So we're going to do the reading rainbow one? Is that better? No, I mean, we can do booms and bangs. We, I guess we're thugs. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes you got to let these bitches know. Hey. I'm so excited. We're still here. Season two. What's up? What uh, show is this? No Days Off. Yes. Brother, we got to do it like, you know, the that way. Though. Oh, go ahead. It's No Days Off. I'm excited to be here again. We're doing it. We are here. You know, I would say that like this is like a highlight Mm -hmm. and then also just a little bit cathartic because we get to come and we get to talk about like all of the things that we normally talk to when it's just us. Mm -hmm. And now we have guests and stuff. Yes. So we have a special guest this episode. We're very, very excited. We'll we'll talk about him in a little bit and introduce him. Um, But yeah, so I guess we do our catch-up thing. What's up? Um, Well... I mean, it's been like whatever in terms of like right. what's been happening, all the reg- regular shit, work, blah, 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 blah. But the biggest thing was, was that recently, well, I'm going to be telling a part of what you've been doing too, brother, because you're a part of this story. Don't be telling my business. I'm telling all of your business. Don't be telling my business. Just the good parts. Just the good parts. Um, So we were by um, the lovely Donnie Claremont's house and- we were having a conversation with her roommate, which actually is our high school friend. His name is Emmanuel. Shout out to Emmanuel. Yes. He's amazing. Such a sweet man. Sweet, sweet man. Sweet man. Um, amazing. And the, the great thing about this particular incident was sometimes I go by um, Donnie's house and Emmanuel's not there because he's busy boots. But he was actually there because we went on the weekend. And we were having this kind of like amazing conversation between going out on their balcony and coming back into the apartment just about where we were in our lives in general. And there was a part of the conversation that we got with Emmanuel where he spoke about, you know, just feeling like lonely. Mm -hmm. He's like in a place where he's like, you know what, I've been so introverted and talking, you know, a lot with myself. Mm -hmm. And now I'm actually open and feeling like actually this may be a good thing to open up and talk to other people about things because it may not be too good to walk around handling everything on your own and that was i think out of you know some research that he has done in in conjunction with therapy if i'm not mistaken and nonetheless we got to that big word loneliness Mm -hmm. um or him feeling lonely and what was so funny about that is that i was already developing 
a huge i well not a huge but it is it's it's a huge part of our society right. loneliness and specifically when i was on the grapevine panel and we were talking about like i don't know whatever relationships and i had mentioned that um us being so connected socially makes us feel that we're together mm-hmm. and that we are a part of community when in reality we don't have that face-to-face type of intimate correspondence right. with each other. So there's an illusion that we're connected, but we're really not, mm-hmm. not in real life. And so been th- been thinking about that and pondering on that because a couple of people grabbed that clip mm-hmm. and just put it out. And yeah. I was like, I guess that may have resonated with people. So just thinking about like, what does this mean and why do we continuously partake in like lonely behavior? Yeah. And so having that conversation with Emmanuel, I don't know if you remember that part of the conversation, but I think I came in a little later. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but I was briefed. I was you were briefed. briefed. You yes. were briefed, and I I just felt that to be amazing because it it linked across mm-hmm. conversations. I right. was having conversations with multiple people, and here it was, and it came up again, and I thought that it was just so poignant to mm-hmm. talk about that in in more in a more specific way, which was to tweet out some not tweet out but Instagram note. If you will, I don't know what it's called. I'm not stories in the stories. Yes. So in the stories, I um, just put some stuff out about like how we should be um, thinking maybe a little bit more as like, especially as men, because I find like a lot of men are lonely conversations with men. You know, people may not say some of these dudes may not say I'm lonely. Right. But they say, I don't I can't talk to nobody about this over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. To me, that surmounts to loneliness. Yes. And so I put all uh, so i put a series of those stories out talking mm-hmm. about loneliness in particular and how we need to take responsibility for that vulnerability and all of those things yeah and the feedback was nuts mm-hmm. like i got so many people who responded back saying low yo i agree i don't agree uh you know like it is what it is uh but i can attest to that mm-hmm. and now i partake in that yeah. or like whatever the case was and what i loved about what you kind of brought back to me with that was it didn't necessarily pertain to just straight people responding right. back. It wasn't just gay people. It was gay people, straight people, men, women, black, white, all of, you know, and that was really, you know, important to know that too, that, you know, I know we're talking about us and men in particularly, but I think it's all reflections of one another and how we interact and, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so it really, for me it really brought it back to like a humanitarian thing about like how we interact with each other our perceptions of what masculinity is and what you know femininity is and all of those things we kind of already talking about and and how they kind of mirror back at us and kind of you know go into loneliness so i really I, i that was really like powerful for me to know that this is an everybody issue, you know what I mean? And we all partake in it in some type of way. And it's just really interesting to see how that kind of carried out. Mm -hmm. I love what you just said too. I would love to explore that with our special guest. Yes. Um, (laughs) But he was one of the people who commented Mm -hmm. and um, I thought that his response was very, very interesting. And we'll talk more about what that is, but because you you guys didn't necessarily fully agree. No, we we actually, we, I don't even think that it was, we, we didn't fully agree. I think that his response was, that there's a broader picture to talk about right and i was, was more like, so like we're talking about this yes, in particular specifically yes, right now exactly right. we're talking about this very specific thing and you know mm-hmm. I, I personally i lean in general to personal accountability right right, right, right. that's just how that's i lean because that's a, a lot of it you know it takes a lot for you like even when we talk about 
coming into our 30s and having to unpack, you know, there's some people that experience that unlearning that process and there are others that kind of just go through life, you know, dodging that. And yeah. it, it does, you know, we all have darknesses and issues, but there is something that has to happen within you and that accountability in you that would be able to bring out certain things yeah. that you need to push forward. So it's kind of hard to say, but you really have to figure out that stuff in the inside of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's for me where, where I you were. Yep. Exactly. And, and where I think that we all need to take responsibility for the experience that we have here. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't necessarily believe that he's wrong. Um, right. And, I, I believe that there's a full picture that does need to be painted. And if that is only for the step one of realizing right. like, okay, well, this is for everyone to know. Mm-hmm. And then now we can move forward. Yeah. You know, I, I do believe in that. Yeah. I, I also do believe that it is a, imperative and present progressive as you just mentioned that we continuously partake exactly. in our unfolding and our development of, right so that when we get to a point where we actually have the opportunity to take control we don't see it as mm-hmm. something where it's like we have to dial back to make sure that everybody else knows right how they participate or make you you know per- make you feel in this particular right, instance right, right, you can right. just say and knowing that this is how people make me feel and knowing that mm-hmm. this is how people show up to the party what can i do yeah. now to take responsibility for yeah. maybe maybe i have to remove myself from certain people blah, mm-hmm. blah 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 you can go on and on about the things to cope and the things to make sure that you're okay yeah. but loneliness is such an inside issue right, right, that right. i think that it it means that inside work needs to be done and therefore i I wasn't really interested here at that time right and i think what's important about like your point is that there is a bigger picture but with everything with a goal with a, a a big puzzle you have to be able to break it down because you can't just go and attack the big picture. You can't just, exactly. oh, it's done. I can handle it, you know? So it's like, what are these little subdivisions within us that are holding us back from the bigger picture? So I like the fact that, yeah, there is a a bigger thing going on, but we have to be able to, as humans, kind of break that down and be able to ingest it in chunks because we can't take it, like, when you think about, like, black issues, okay, boom, like, yeah. Let, oh, you roll let's, out. Get, let's get out the black issue. You know what I mean? You roll out the scroll. Like you know, you have it. to be able to like dial, like you said, dial it back and really focus in on certain things, you know, at a time. Like it's a process yeah, within yeah, that. So yeah. I think that's really important too when you really think about dialing in specifically to a specific kind of conversation and a certain point. Yeah, yeah. And because you can find that little thing and then there's so much that you have to unpack yeah. before you even get and to build up off to get to the next level. And it's like, you learn something that's like, okay, now I got this, my scooter's going, my bike is going, okay, I can go a little bit faster. I can go a little further, but yeah. you can't unless you get over the first couple of things or mm-hmm. identify things within yourself at first. And I think that's kind of, that's the, what accountability yeah, is. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, 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 I just am at a point now where it's like there's so many things that are flying at me mm-hmm. every day. And yeah. I know that that is true for people who are listening to this. It's true for you. Literally. Just things firing off and, and shooting at us. And it's like, yo, what do I have to do? So you got to build up your shield. Mm-hmm. And accountability is a really, really good one of them motherfuckers. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it, it winds up having a, it's a pipeline to a decision and, and change. So, you I mean, I think like basically for me my catch-up is that like i've been focusing in Mm -hmm. on just these ideas that i've been having and like you know just it's it's a new season literally so it's like not only season for us season Mm -hmm. two holla but it's also like the fall coming up transition transition time so 
we need to fully embrace the lesson. So I've been kind of like quiet, kind of sitting back. I've had a lot more opportunity mm-hmm. just to right. spend a second um, to, you know, kind of like dive into these ideas and what they mean and what they meant in my right. life. So what about you? Yeah. And I liked what you said about this season because even within itself, the season change kind of comes with different I guess actions or characteristics, you know, when you're in the summer, you want to be out, you you're this, you're that. But when the winter time comes, you know, you're mm-hmm. in your house more, mm-hmm. you're probably watching TV more, Facts. which kind of comes with not a, a well, maybe comes with a lonely type of experience, you know? So even Hell like yeah. thinking about that transition on how, you know, you switch gears and switch thoughts from like always, not always going out, but going out more frequently and being out and being more social to now I may be in the home, I'm in my home more and you know, it's going to be 30 degrees. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be out running outside. want to be outside with a throw. You know what I mean? So like, how do you like, even in that kind of situation really, like experience have a different experience that you might not have had in the summertime Mm -hmm. and and like experiencing your loneliness or your lonesome in that in those moments yeah Mm -hmm. so that was really um but yeah i kind of similar to you i'm just kind of just taking it in and not um really focus on not hiding from myself Mm -hmm. um and just allowing things my whatever thoughts come and embrace them see what they are you know sometimes we well i know i will if i have a dark thought i'm like oh i gotta get away from this but mm-hmm. I, i'm really learning that you know we have to explore all the parts of ourselves so exploring the loneliness exploring the darkness you know i always talk about um how it's affected me in social media because we we always highlight all the beautiful grand you know all this amazing stuff and i know that i've felt moments of loneliness in that of like oh i don't have that or you know i wish i was out doing this with you know my friends or doing certain things and you know exploring all of the parts of myself even the dark parts have allowed me to experience growth on the other side Mm. um so that's kind of like where i am and just kind of literally like you said things are always coming at us and i'm just like okay well what is it come on let's go let's Mm -hmm. get into it let's do the work um yeah so that's kind of what i've been experiencing um especially in the summer um and and now again thinking about the transition into fall and what that looks like for me and um what i'll be doing uh and stuff like that so yeah Okay, well, shit. I think like a lot of people are experiencing that. Like just talking in general, everybody's like, yeah, well, I started a new job. I just moved here two months ago. Or, you know, I'm just in a place in my life where I feel stuck and I want to be able to do this or that. So I think mm-hmm. like a lot of people are in a, in a moment of transition or they're in a spirit of transition where they're yearning for more. And maybe we're always in a, a spirit of transition, right. but I definitely feel like it's more palatable like like palpable it's in the air it's yeah you can almost taste it like feel it you can feel it obviously the season helps with that and i agree with you like in the winter time that shit is rough for me mm-hmm. i like i'm just like i, I want to be home i want to be under a blanket i want to like have good company around of course um i love having people around but i definitely feel like oh, right i don't want to be here. exactly i don't want to be mm-hmm. like doing anything where i can re- be remotely cold so yeah yeah is that willow scratching or probably she's like let me the fuck out of here don't don't do not lock me up <laughs> so without further ado we're hey. going to introduce our bomb ass guest for this conversation what up though um you know he is the 
I would say like a new addition to like my black male peeps. Right. Right. You would say the same yes, thing, yes, right? Yes, yes. So super intelligent, chocolatey, deep ass voice. <laughs> right. Big presence. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, in criminal justice, our criminal justice warrior, Mr. Flow. Flow, low, flow. It, what, flow. Well, say hi to the people. Hey, how y'all doing out there, man? Y'all hear this deep voice he talking about, uh, man? Much love to y'all. Barry White. Listen, I, you, woo, 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 love, I, I wish if my voice sounded like that. Cause that it's not far no, off. Because it instantly takes, it's like, I got to look that way. I got to find where that voice is, and I have to pay attention. This motherfucker. See for y'all. Flo was talking. He was sitting down. I felt the vibrations from his, from his voice right. in my chair. Oh, wow. Damn. Bro. And that's a big table. Bro. That's all I'm going to say. Damn. That's all I'm going to say. What an intro. I know. I, listen, we are so excited to have you here. Yes. So, Flo, how old are you, Flo? Do you tell people that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be 30 in December. December 28th. Proud Capricorn. Flo Wait, look like about so 18 years I, old. <laughs> on everything. I thought you were like 25. Oh, wow, man. Yo, y'all, I swear, I got to give y'all some hugs and kisses before we get about <laughs> no, here, serious, man. No, serious, because I was, I, was, cause I was like, look at this young guy doing all this good work. <laughs> this nigga my wow. age. Like, oh, I mean, well, you look at you, young. though. You out I here. mean, I, you're young, though. You let, me, let, young. let me just say, man, when, when I got you on the gram and I saw you in them Speedos, bro, <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I'm, I don't even got hater blood in me, but it, 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 you look so, like, just... Uh, uh, like oh my god I'm like man I gotta I gotta get I, to work I gotta do some crunches yeah, I, I gotta get to work I still gotta get to work to get back to looking at that I'm just saying that was a <laughs> but few you, years ago but you did it though yes, but yes, you did yes, it brother yes, black yes, don't okay. crack man you gonna take them hey. accolades you gonna take them accolades cause Donovan acting like he don't got a whole fan carload of men women gender non-binary all of that just chasing they, they just chasing after mm. your chariot brother just on Instagram which we know is not real okay that shit don't they can't translate. find you in real life you low key right that's so true. wait, I have a quick question. Why flow? Yes, great question. Ooh, beautiful. Um, so great question. folks who know me, my my government name is Stephen Pacheco. I more so resonate with the name flow. Um, and I'm gonna be honest, so it's gonna get a little 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 uh, embarrassing. Um, but let's the, do it. Let's the name the name initially was Flojo Stevo, which I know sounds so much cheesier. I mean, it's That's a lot. A lot cool. of it, it sounds like a boxing name. So, it's a <laughs> so it. Kind of close. Yeah. Okay. Y'all remember the Get Light era in uh, yes. New York oh. City? So, you know, I'm, I'm from the South Bronx, you know, bo oh, born in Dallas, shit. Texas, but I came to New York when that I was That era two. didn't last too long, It though. didn't last too it long, was a hot but, minute. but that was my high school experience. Right. So we rode the wave. And so you, right, you. if you knew anything about that era, it was like they always had a chant like, bad one, bad, bad one. So mm -hmm. you needed the syllables to fall in pocket. And so at that time, they were using flow as like, you know, it was not the most best use of the term, but basically to identify with women, like who had the flow, who had the oh, women. Okay. And so I'm gonna be honest, yes. I didn't have no women at that time, but speaking things into existence, Shondo. I wanted I wanted the, the women, so I was like Flo Joe Steve-O, I just, you know, okay. shirting my name Steven into Steve-O and it's like Flo Joe, Flo, Flo Joe, Flo, 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 Joe. As we got, <laughs> you see it's catchy, yeah, right? Yeah, it is, it you, is. It, you, you sold me, we but get it, it. But it. But it shortened down as I got older because, you know, just being more serious, um, mm, right. too many syllables. Um, and then it ended up being, it really ended up being really prophetic and yeah. like the way that I move, the way that I like engage with life, people, um, and I'm how just, you articulate yourself too. the articulate. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Yeah. So yeah, it's really become like a 
completely personified embodiment of like just my essence you know what mm-hmm. i mean from the physical to the spiritual yeah um, and 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 also you're like in what well, we you don't quite fit into the zenial category which is like older millennials you're like old, you're younger yeah so you get to kind of like experience the culture in a very very different way and i think that people of the culture get to experience you in a different way because first of all your name is flow so that's right. like a great intro yeah and then in addition to that like you have i would say like Swag is really played out, and I hate to use that mm-hmm. word, but you do have a disposition of the South Bronx. You have that New Yorker yes, spirit love. in you, right. and then also you're able to kind of like speak to you know the 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 powers that be in a way that speaks directly. There's like no right. pretext. There's no you know like the prelog, uh, an intro. It's more like yo, I'm I'm flow. And I'm giving you everything that you need right mm-hmm. now to let you know that I can represent my community and I can talk to you the way that you need to be spoken to. Mm. And I think that that's like a very unique space to occupy. Yeah. And uh, that is why. Totally. Yeah. And that's why you do so well on the show. You definitely on your own are very, very, very dynamic. Yes. I but agree. then to see you amongst other people, maybe almost 30 years old, but you look like you speak for everybody between the ages of like 20 to like whatever 30 right, something right, years old. Right, 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 uh, right. And when I say I speak for everybody, that. I just mean a part of them. The yeah, part yeah, yeah. of them that is indoctrinated in the voice, culture. Yeah, but Ex- exactly. a culmination of many. Exactly. And I, I think that yeah. that's very, very cool. That's I, a dope thing I mean, about you. It, I, it was obvious to everyone, but, you know, working on The Grapevine for a couple years, or well, like two years now, um, when you first came on, I meet, we... I was like, he is amazing. He has to be on the show. We're inviting him he back. He did say that. Um, That's love. And it's because what I love about you is is how you sh- decided you wanted to show up in life. You know what I mean? Um, despite what the social norms are, despite what people say masculinity is, despite mm-hmm. what people think about someone from the Bronx, the way that you show up and the things that you decide to speak about and the things that you're passionate about is just really, really profound. So like, it's like you, Wilson, it's like, your voice is so needed because again the way you you're like very masculine you know but you talk about everything you talk about things that people don't want to talk about and you you just show up in a way that it it's like you invite people in to feel safe you know mm. what i mean and i feel like you invite other black uh you know apparently seemingly masculine men to to have conversations that they've never had before and the fact that you stand in that and it's like we can talk about this shit um and then again with your voice with your blackness with all of that it just is a thing it's a it's a product and not trying to be like you know like but it's it's a real thing um and just again by listening because i i'm i'm a fan of the grapevine even though i work on the show it's just because (laughs) I've just been opened up to so many different perspectives. And again, you're just one of those voices that need to be heard because of exactly who you are coming from the Bronx. Exactly. And, you know, again, it allows all of those other people from the Bronx and wherever hood they come from, masculine as hell, to have vulnerable conversations, to, to talk about masculinity and femininity in a whole new way. And I, I just I just love you. I just love you. I you love just, you too, yeah, brother. Yeah. And I love you as well, love Donovan. Exactly. And I just want to say, man. man, like for folks who, you know, I really got to say a word about Will in particular because for him to be saying that from where he sits in the room when we're when we're shooting Grapevine, like he's I'm gonna use some sports terms as a typical guy would, and then I'm gonna give some more cultural like uh, uh kind of like analogies. But he's like the Phil Jackson, he's like the Bill Belichick, and I hate to use a football reference right now, but he's like <laughs> from a more cultural standpoint, this guy, his eye for talent is that of like Spike Lee in his prime. Um, he's like he's a he's a Scorsese. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he really curates the room. Like I'm, I learned so much from watching you, and I've never even done anything like that. Wow! But it's it's very inspirational. It's very admirable, and you have a view of the room in a way. I would say the closest is probably um, Donovan and Ashley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. mean, um, Amanda. Sorry, mm-hmm. Ashley's at the center of everything. Mm-hmm. She does have a view as well, but I think the closest in terms of will would be Amanda and Donovan. Yeah. Um, and like you really just kind of hone in. All, like all of these bubbly, like very dynamic, um, rambunctious at times <laughs> personalities. Definitely. And it, it, you talk about my ability to make people feel safe. I felt safe in that room, even with all the differing opinions. Like that, that's a science. There's an alchemy to that. Um, and I think, you know, obviously it happens with the team, but, you know, people are waiting on your lead before they hit other, other marks, other levers. And so for you to see that, I can tell like you're, you're really, you're really watching in a way that, all your focus is on what's happening. Right. And so right. for you to see that is just a very sound kind of like account of like, you know, my personality. It, it's evident. Like we, we've known each other, what, since March? Yeah. You, you've spoken about me, Donovan as well, in ways that people have known me my whole life have not given such full descriptions of who I am because in the, in the context, this is part of how I've learned to be this person that's so outspoken and really just own who I am and yeah. all of its complexities because where I came from, a lot of people weren't ready for a young black man like me. Wow. And so initially I, I like I kind of my, my my gladiator school, if you will, was mm. like you either is or you ain't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not in a in a in a in a toxic way, but in a way like, yo, be you, bro. Like all of those pressures, they're gonna be there. You know what I'm saying? Like we call them glass ceilings, or like you know, yeah. power can be seen, but it can't um, can't be seen, but it can be felt. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you got to be a shapeshifter. All of us as black people, especially, we had to be shapeshifters. So why would you cower from that? In like any differently than a black woman, right. a black queer man, or any other like marginalized person? Like no. You can be like this guy from the hood mm-hmm. who has his tougher side, has his softer side, has his more eloquent intellectual side, has his more theoretical side, has his more creative side, has his more business oriented side. Right, yeah. You can be all of these things. And like, I just really fed off of like society saying, no, you can't. Yeah. Wow. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. really? Right. Yeah. We yeah. all do. Too. Oh, really? Yeah. OK. Yeah. And I, yeah, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. And it's I think so it's true. kind of like a big foundation of why we even have the podcast we talk about having and embracing your full life you know we're not defined by one singular event thought or whatever that happens but it's all of the parts it's the light it's the darkness and i feel like you just exemplify that so well of really honing into all of the parts of you not afraid to have a conversation not afraid to look a certain way not caring about what people Mm -hmm. think and that's so foundational um to even move forward as a person navigating the spaces of blackness and Mm -hmm. masculinity and all that stuff so it's again it's it's now that I know that you're my age, because at first I was like, this young man is inspiring me. <laughs> but you, and regardless, you inspire me um, to to want to do more. And actually, when I, I see you out with a megaphone and you're Going in on. front of, you know, the, the, the city hall or whatever, I'm like, I want to I want more of that in my life, you know, because I think for me personally and a lot of people. Uh, we want to be a part of something bigger. We want to help our communities. But a lot of times we don't know uh, what to do or we feel like our voices aren't that big or, or, or that you know, you're needed or, or that we're needed. needed. So, it's you know, it, it's a, you mm-hmm. really inspire me. I'm like, well, how can I do something, you know, to 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 help out a little bit more? So I would say that you definitely inspired me to to aspire to want to go further and, and stretch myself. And, you know, again, not afraid to. uh 
because one of my issues is afraiding uh, as being more so afraid of what people are going to think about me and stuff like that. So now, again, with people like you in my life, I am encouraged to to stretch myself. That's the best way I could play to stretch myself. What a yeah. Shundo, shundo. Yeah, yeah, I hear how good these men are with words and compliments. Like really, really take note. I'm taking note because that's something that I, I say a lot of beautiful things about people in my head. I need to start verbally mm. expressing them more. Um, oh, wow. And as I'm hearing y'all like speak, I'm just like, because that's an art, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not like y'all aren't just giving fluff. Like mm-hmm. anybody that actually knows me or know what y'all talking about. And again, I think y'all are even exposing sides of me that people who really thought they know me didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, but y'all just do that in such a magnificent way. And man, y'all, y'all don't take no days off. So no, man. listen, listen, <laughs> because that that is the root of what it is. And I'm going to use this in order to get to for us to like before we get in the conversation, mm-hmm. but just to learn more about you. That's but what, yep, but was, this mm-hmm. is it is essentially a process of unlearning, right? Like it oh, is a, me- like like most, you said, that's the biggest part of it. That That, yeah. that is that's like, the biggest part. It's literally like you do most of your work just simply trying to undo what motherfuckers have done or what society has done. And, and like when you were talking about specifically like, you know, walking around with the kind of like the labels that everyone has has given to you and not creating a safe space for you to explore the other parts of yourself. That is what we are all fighting against, yeah. which is why you're here today. Yes. But, you know, as we're unlearning in this process, we definitely want to learn more about you and like what at this point, because I see you, like Will mentioned, with the megaphone. Mm-hmm. I see you at fundraisers. I see you talking about the the prison industrial complex. I see you mm-hmm. talking about black lives. What is it that this boy from the South Bronx has turned into an almost 30-year-old man who has this type of like version of, of what that life can surmount to? Like, How did you get there, and what has that process been yeah, like and, for Yeah, and who is Flo? Mm. Wow, man. That is just a feeling that like my stomach just swelled up hearing you say that uh, because it's had a real surreal moment and just realizing like how many of my friends didn't get to do the boy to man journey Mm. um wow fortunately not too many of my closest friends like i've lost probably like two really close friends um not from like my immediate circle but like just outside of that um outside of that it's just been a lot of people that i grew up with my my neighborhood highbridge section of the bronx you know i'm very proud of where i come from but it has a very dark side you know what i mean a lot of people don't make it out Mm -hmm, Um, like literally some people like the courthouses so for anybody that understands the bronx and new york city at all we're right up the hill from yankee stadium on the west side of the bronx and the bronx is very hilly if you've ever been to the bronx and so like i basically the courthouse is right down the, the, the hill so people like there's literally people who've never left the neighborhood right Damn. and so when like myself i didn't start really outside of like the few times my parents would take me here or there and you know we have family in long island so we take weekend trips there um on my own accord i didn't really start leaving the bronx until about 18 um and i was after gotcha. i graduated high school wow. because it's just not normal for you to really leave um right. and i was really trapped by that mentality that environment um you know you also love it it's, it's comfortable but um as I started to travel and get out a little more, it really started with me working at the really racist company of Abercrombie and Fitch. Oh my God, um, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I was so I was so grateful to have the job though at that time. Wait, I, did you do the interview where they made you say "Hey" like a whole bunch of times? Oh, that's that. I think that that happened after I, I got hired there in two thousand eight. Because they do this fucking crazy interview where they make you say "Hey" a whole bunch of times because it's ridiculous. I, yeah, it got so I was there from two thousand eight to two thousand ten, and I think wow, yeah, two years. Oof, 
Well, we, <laughs> there, there's a little loophole that I can say offline about how okay. much time I actually spent there. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> I'll, I'll save that for I, I, right. I spent at least a year there for real. Okay. Right. Um, and at that time, they weren't really getting a lot of people from neighborhoods like mine. And so mm. I think that was when the influx of folks like really from the outskirts of the city started realizing, oh, this is like, you know, nine dollars an hour at that time in that year. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have too many expenses, like a, a, a your cell phone bill mm-hmm. that I was living, you know, I don't come from money. So I was like, oh, we up. You right. know what I'm saying? And so being on Fifth Avenue seeing all of those shoppers mm, mostly from Europe experience yeah, it was yeah. It, it really immersed me into like all these different cultures and in my mind I always wanted to travel mm. but just conceptually like it was a theory mm. when I started all of these different people from different parts of the world were coming there I started to get a taste of where everybody was from and I've worked in retail like for about I got about six years of retail experience mm-hmm. so anybody knows of working in retail most almost all, I do I hate it I have like 15, yeah, I hate 16 it. years I'm finally out thank you Jesus salute because that, right. that's a trap it is a trap it's a trap yeah mm-hmm. and to be honest though my person like my 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 skills and my and my expertise in dealing with human beings much come from like the block in the corner and yeah. just being in that mm-hmm. environment of survival and then being in a retail space where you're supposed to create this decadent kind mm-hmm. of like shopping experience. And right. so if you look like we go from boy boy to, to man, mm-hmm. the spectrum of survival mm-hmm. to decadence. Yeah. Like I think that Day and night. that like that, that's pretty much how Flo became who he is. Right. He, he was really fortunate. Um, just through my, 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 just my persona really allowed me to move in a lot of spaces that somebody that like everybody else where I came from just didn't have certain privileges that I had, even without me having a financial like benefit coming from a single parent household. Like my spirit really like that, that's my wealth. That's my goal. Yeah. And I, and my mother always said that she always said, you know, you've been wealthy boy. Like, you know, we may not have, you may not have the nicest clothes. You know what I mean? We may not have the, the, the premium cable package. That was another thing though. Cer- certain people in my neighborhood didn't even have the basic cable package. Yeah. So we'd always have cable. Our, our lights only got cu- cut off probably once or twice. I was only evicted with my mom one time. You know what I mean? We always live with my grand, um, grandmother. So I know that sounds like, wow, that's like really tough. And it is for certain people that, you know, it's all relative, but for where I'm coming from, that's like you living good. You doing good we, for yourself. We, we didn't have to worry about food, right? I'm, my, exactly. I, I I look back Facts. on my on my childhood and I'm like, wow. I always wanted to get Domino's and Chicken Spot, you know, because that's what the kids who had money. I didn't have a whole picture. I'm gonna come back to that, but mm-hmm. the kids who had money, they was always eating out. You know, they had the fresh clothes and stuff. I got these home cooked meals now. As an adult, you know how it is. You on the go. I <laughs> wish I could get a home cooked right. meal. Listen, I love when my mother just packages me something. Mama, please give me something. That's like the greatest gift in the world, ain't yeah. it? Like hallelujah. Yeah, man. Even but, that sucks. But but what I came to find out was not always the case. A lot of times, the, the children and the young folk that was buying eating out all the time, their parents was at home. Yeah. Or their parents ain't they ain't have food in the crib, and a lot of them they took to the streets early and was making their money how they mm-hmm. felt like they had to make. I didn't right. know none of that. My family sheltered me because, like, I'm a product of the war on drugs. Like, eventually, I went and got into the streets and got in my own trouble, did a year in prison, but. That wasn't until I was 22. Mm-hmm. Most people were coming out like between 11 and 13. You know what I mean? I mean we talking about the, so the tail end of the 90s, wow. early 2000s when the drug game was, it, was, it still was a little mm-hmm. bit of that that fast money you could really and get. And there were real kids in there doing that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That, oh, yeah. that was how the, the elders, you know, not to really like paint this gruesome picture of our community because all of this is out of survival and we really not plugged into the economic structure of this country since the beginning. But that was how a lot of the elders would scapegoat 
a lot of these laws, you know, Rockefeller drug laws and things like that. Mm-hmm. So a, a youth is not, you know, it's not in the same position right. as an adult. Get, when you get caught, yeah, right. you'll get a wire. Even if you go and do a massive amount of time, the case could get sealed. You know what I mean? You can get a youthful offender status. You right. know what I mean? So it, it'll show up, but they can't use it against you. It's not a felony you're stuck with for life. Right. And so I, like my family, they came from that, coming from Harlem. But when they brought me to the Bronx, me and my siblings, I got three siblings, one older brother, two younger sisters. And they really like just pushed us to the side with mm-hmm. that. Um, and so I was very green. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that like all of, a lot of what I'm giving you is like retrospective accounts. Because yes. right, right, I'm just right. sitting here like, dang, man, they got all the new jerseys. Right. Dang, man, they always getting dominoes. Ain't that some shit when you look back and you be like, I, I've actually went back and apologized to my parents about not necessarily how I behaved, but I was just like, I just didn't get it then. Yeah. You know, we talk about this a lot. Like, I don't know how you was making the decisions at my age that I'm making now with kids yes. and less money. How? how? All the shit against you. Like, you know, that shit is crazy. Yeah. Perspective is everything. Yeah. So just to, to really wrap it up, like for me, like, you know, I went to summer camp. Um, the summer camp called Maury's Camp at the time is now called Project Maury. And they really like focused on um, getting you from inner cities, mm-hmm. low, low socioeconomic situations into the camp experience that somebody like a white child would pay for. Right. Um, so that really. Because that's a privilege. Yeah, that was, And it's crazy that it's sad that that's a privilege. Yeah. But coming from where I'm coming from, like camp. Like what we consider camp is like day camp when they go and take you to the museum. Or right. Something. Like I did that. Everybody on the train yeah. in a uh, bright blue, yellow, green shirt. And that was still for the fancy kids. Right. No, because you had to know the person who was in charge of the organization to get prioritized. And right. I was jealous of them. This is again, going back to perspective. I was like, you know, envious of them because like, I'm like, man, like, you know, my camp was over the summer, yeah. but it was dope because it was a stay away camp. It was up in Glen Spain, New York, up in the mountains. You know, we had That's this dope. big tent, you know, we like it was real. It was, camping. Wow. it was really camping. I, yeah. t- I took that. I, don't, I enjoyed it, but I think I took it for granted because, again, what you're around so much was everybody was what doing you saw, that. What and, you saw. and that was throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I, uh, in retrospect, I'm, I would I took it exactly how I got it. But that was throughout like you know, the whole summer and then you kept those relationships throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I was, it, it was like weird. There's, there's a thing that calls like the ethical cost of success. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, like a lot of uh, studies around this, um, mainly like in academia and like uh, your professional pursuits as somebody from a marginalized community. But even furthermore, like when you get into these like gifted programs or these like programs for, for the few, mm-hmm. it kind of takes you out of community. And I realized like, now a lot of people in my community now like a lot of them know me because of the platforms i'm on and i know a lot of people in my community but i realized there's so many more people i didn't know yeah because i wasn't there for those instrumental yeah. periods and experiences such right. as those day camp experiences so i would just say like i really was forced to think outside of the norm in every every particular way you could think of it because that camp it brought people from Bridgeport, Connecticut, certain parts of Connecticut mm-hmm. brought people from Long Island, Amityville, Belmont, um, Copeg. It brought people from certain parts of like a few schools in Manhattan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they had us all coming from these different. And then some, I don't know, some girl got in from like Florida somehow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Again, she knew somebody. Yeah, right. right. The back door. You know what I'm saying? So like we really like had these cultural exchanges, yeah. you know, across like our, you know, Intern, like international mm-hmm. perspectives and so I really just was always forced to think about like who I am early like it wasn't like saying who are you wow. but I was put in environments where it was like you know there's nobody here like you right. and that's that's and in any space like we're in folding on its own yeah kinda. but it's different when you're not like you know your neighborhood you're constantly there it's like there's you know there's nobody here like you right so who is that 
mm-hmm. who you gonna make, it's, and wow. it's yours, and it's and it's all yours for the taking. Like yeah. you, you can go, you could do with this, or you could do with that. Right. You feel me? Like, yeah. so. And I, I, I think that that's one of the most powerful things that I've learned in my entire life is that there is a correlation between asking powerful questions in your life. Ooh. If you are at a certain age, a younger age, and you're forced to ask questions of who you are it really sets you on a trajectory that may be different than people who are super privileged. When, you not, when you're the standard, I'm, I'm, I'm putting up air quotes right here. You when you're them. the standard, which is white folks in this country who represent the majority in terms of number for now, um, <laughs> right. what happens is, is that you don't have to ask certain questions mm-hmm. because you are the standard. Therefore, any other question, anything that's other, will have, the questions will be posed for other people. So if you're around people and you're like, well, who am I? Who am I in this context? You are set on a path where you can, by the time you're 30 years old, right? You have a firm, a more firm understanding mm-hmm. than someone who does not engage with those questions at an earlier age. Yeah. And what I've learned in your perspective, because I've been, I've also spoken with people who are wealthy, like wealthy black people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's an organization called Jack and Jill. I, I'm pretty I know sure about you guys it. know about the Jack and Jill. I've story. never been in part of it, but I've heard stories. Me neither, baby. I grew up in East New York. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. wasn't my life. But there are very wealthy black people who have made an effort to put um, their kids in an organization called Jack and Jill, which is a, which is pretty much like a fraternity or a sorority. Yeah. But it's for younger kids um, who, are, who are going through their adolescence who may not be around black people a lot because their socioeconomic status puts them in great, quote unquote, great right. neighborhoods, mm-hmm. great schools where we don't see a lot of black and brown people. So mm-hmm. they have the Jack and Jill so they can get together and have events and summer camps and event and, and like anything, you know, that can put them on and the fellowship. road. And fellowship. And like you said, be able to be in correspondence with each other over over the years so that they right. can have a network of actual black folk. So I like the fact that black people seem to no matter what, be asking these questions. Mm-hmm. This is like not a coincidence. Right. And collectively, this is why I think that black people are so resilient. Mm. Now, the reason why that was a great intro, by the way, I think we I think the point of sometimes like us for having these conversations is to prove right that that we have a lot more in common than we have different. Different, But our journeys to certain places, it's like many, many vehicles to like the same destination. So people want to people want to rock with you, Flo. So that's why I want, you know, we definitely want people to understand who you are. But I think whether you're Flo from the South Bronx or you're Will from Cali, mm-hmm. right? Or if you're somebody from Mississippi or someplace where people don't even know your name or your family's name because it can feel that way when you're not, you don't have access to a podcast studio. You don't have access to the things that a lot of black people who are mainstream have. It could feel very, very lonely. Absolutely. And that's only Dang, one, that's even, only one only facet. Be, I could only imagine. Right. I didn't even, wow. I, like just the other day, I wow. came across an article title that says mainstream finally lets in the awkward black person, the awkward black girl, which was off of like the insecure's popularity. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, what a lonely place to be uh, an awkward black girl. Right. Or when mm. we were passing the, the we were passing a bar the other day and there was this one black dude singing the whitest song. I, he he might as well, white, 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 white. That literally. might as well have been the, literally, <laughs> like Some literally. Beach Boys? It, it no, was, it was, was whiter than that. It was literally, oh, wow. it was literally white, 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 white. 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 And everybody in it was white. Now I was, I, we walked away from that like he gonna probably have a white girl or white. Yeah. Man. And and nobody. And it is what it is. And it's not to say that he's not an exception. But at this point, we can be honest and say that sometimes we're all guilty of 
partaking in what we have as which is a loneliness epidemic yeah which is that certain black people don't get the recognition of even existing because you're not cool right mm-hmm. because you don't look a certain way because right. you don't got no swag you're not you're an athlete kind of you're not there are so many ways in which we kind of like create loneliness i think that black folk just by the journey in this country having an isolated experience of slavery jim crow redlining the prison industrial complex all of the many things that black people have faced has literally caused loneliness yeah no one else can relate people tell us to it's slavery is over Mm -hmm. uh that doesn't happen anymore i don't see racism we were just yeah we were just watching that uh chelsea handler thing on uh privilege and one of the she was like well i think we should we're past that now yeah, we're and, past and that. Yeah, that was that crazy. So I just watched that two days ago like, too. So. And you that was no that idea. was very triggering. Yeah, that shit was very triggering. I was like, "What the fuck? You ashy was ashy." I was like, "We have a lot in common. Your heels are ashy, ashy, ma'am. <laughs> they are very ashy. <laughs> we're you the same. Be, you need lotion. I need lotion. We yeah. the same. You need to be more respectful, bitch. Yeah, right. That was, that was crazy. very, very annoying. But anyway, I say that to say that we always navigate this place in a certain kind of way. Now, recently. I had, um, this was more, this is not necessarily because of how we feel as black people, but I have, I'm a studier of relationships. Like how are we doing relationship wise? Are people pairing up? Is that important for us? Is legacy important for us? Is is cross-cultural connection important for black people? All of these things are always flowing through my mind because I tend to think about the future. Like I tend to think about like, well, what is the state of black manhood going to be like eventually? What is the state of blackness in its entirety going to be? Are we going to be here? Are we going to decide to leave this motherfucker? That's a serious question. What are we going to do? And all of those questions lead me oftentimes to see how disconnected we are. Mm-hmm. And now this is once again so layered because we're disconnected as people who have the internet in our lives. We're disconnected as people who have been literally alienated from opportunities from each other. Um, the prison industrial complex purposely took away fathers from the home, knowing right. that what that would do to our communities. It's all been so purposeful. And what I think in this moment, kind of stimulated by recently, we were by Donnie's house. Um, Will and I, my, my best friend, Donnie. Mm-hmm. And we were over there. We were chilling, hanging out. And her roommate came in, blah, 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 blah. Emmanuel, he mentioned loneliness. Mm. Like the topic of loneliness actually came up in real life with a cisgender Caribbean black man. Wow. Unprompted. Because what I usually do is that I prompt people for conversation. <laughs> he be setting people so, up. So <laughs> how do you, you know. It's my man do this for a living. Yeah, this is, this, yeah. <laughs> you know, so speaking of that, how do you, it's very much that. But he kind of like came with this energy of, of, of wanting to speak. And I think that he probably felt like he was in a safe space to do so. Right. Which was amazing. And then when he mentioned like feeling lonely I was like damn this is like I feel like it's echoing in my mind it's bouncing Mm. off the walls of my mind loneliness so I went online and I wrote uh, a, a, um, a Facebook no no I'm old Insta- you, what is don't it be, don't be acting like you're 50 I'm, I'm elderly well, How, I'm, on Insta, Insta Insta, I'm on the book face the book face no. Insta book. <laughs> Insta. on Insta stories I'm, I'm on Insta you posed story. a couple of questions and I posed well I, I, I made a statement and I said I am convinced After years of dating and having conversations with black men, queer and straight, that loneliness is an epidemic. Mm. Even in a crowded room, men do not feel safe to fully be seen. In relationships, many men avoid intimacy and transparency in favor of maintaining versions of masculinity rooted in fear, which results in loneliness. There has to be more honest conversation amongst men about the realities of depression, fear, anxiety, 
We need less hot boys and more honest men. Sexual fulfillment will not save us from the void we have inside. We have to deep. We have to dig deeper if we want to. If we want fuller, richer experiences in love, whether self or for others. If not, we'll continue to cheat, avoid, run, and hurt in our quest of filling our void with the things outside of ourselves. So, dick, ass, pussy, it cannot save us. It's time to step it up, right? And those were emojis. And those were emojis. Right. I remember that. <laughs> I, that I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say those words. Right. Uh, it was like a even cat. Though I, even though I was It was an eggplant, a cat, and what? And, water. and, 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 uh, and, and the water peach. splurt. Peach, yes. Oh. I didn't do the water. Oh. Damn, brother. Sorry. You see I, think the, I think that's our own perverted minds. Right. Because that's normally give some, attached. Give me some bad, Brother, you made it real juicy. But that's normally hey. attached to it. You get a water squirt at the end. I should have. I was Throw actually, a chili in it while you I was actually disrespectful. I should have done all of the above. It's all good. But, yo... I, I mentioned this already, but I, there were so many responses mm-hmm. to that. And I was just like, yo, this shit is crazy. This this is something. You hit something. This is a whole thing because I've posted questions before. I don't do it many, like a lot, 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 but I've done it before. And people, you know, people will engage. Oftentimes it would be like gay men will engage or women will engage. But I got a lot of straight men responding. Everyone. I got a lot of women who respond and be like, tell me what you people, what people say. <laughs> tell me what he's saying. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of really, really, really cool responses, some of which echoed that, some of which didn't agree. But I really, I really enjoyed our correspondence yeah, yeah. i kind of like the thing that i would say like chelsea handler that i like about chelsea handler is that like she says in the documentary i don't really mind having fucking awkward weird ass conversations um i think that it's always good at you as like you mentioned at the beginning um i don't remember if it was on air or off air but we talked about just being able to be in a space where we can have conversations in its entirety mm-hmm. so some of it we agree with some of what we don't sure. and you know we can have that pushback but you came back and you're like i just want to push back on that real quick and just mm-hmm. say you know, in an effort of having a full conversation, you could have explored the reasons why or how people impact the loneliness mm-hmm. of the experience, which for me, I was very much like, I understand what he's saying. Um, but I my personal school is of one of just like, listen, these motherfuckers, people are crazy out here. It's kind of like what I realize about white folks. White folks get to opt into whiteness, but they don't get to decide whether or not they benefit from it. You benefit from it automatically. It's just a built-in... Are the babies crying? Oh. it's You, you go in automatically. It's just a built-in, kind of baked-in part of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're a white person, you benefit from being white. Yeah. Um, you then can make a decision if you partake in whiteness in all of its layers, from horrible to, let's say, uh, from all the way up to Stalin and uh you know trump <laughs> all the way to tim wise right like there's there's plenty there's of spectrum. places there's, there's a spectrum in there and they get to partake in any way that they want to and what i've realized in taking a deeper look not with millennials in general not with women and men but more specifically black men because i'm a black man and i'm more i think that black men are the most beautiful and the most under misunderstood um balls of amazing energy that we have here walking the face of the earth in that black men have been utilized and manipulated for Mm -hmm. eons um and at this particular point i think that people sometimes buy into boxes and sometimes we decide that we want to liberate ourselves from those boxes we call that unlearning we call it a lot of a lot of different things depending on what kind of ideology um, ideology you come from and for me i just think that at this point in knowing that just like whiteness, 
they are relentless, mm-hmm. right? It's relentless. So for us, I more so say like from a place of accountability mm-hmm. in recognizing the state of black manhood. And if it depends on your lens. If you're somebody like um, Kevin Hart, maybe you think that everything is good. You know what I'm saying? But maybe if you're coming from a place where you're a, a, a dude from the South Bronx or you just like, different. A, like you have a, a very different perspective because you get to have a fresher look of what it takes to get to that place. But then you also understand what it, what a lonely ride that could be. And I'm interested to know for you, like when you, especially with your, with the way that you saw it, mm-hmm. tell me more about like, what were you experiencing when you saw that? Because I think that you do have some valid points there. Yeah. Um, well, I was first. I would say I was really glad we had a conversation. Went again, feeling safe. Yeah, I I don't even start conversations with. I just want to let me push back on it. I don't even stop. What I'll do is I'll usually cloak it in the language I'm saying without explicitly saying I'm gonna push back. And so because it was Donovan, I was like, I'm just gonna lean right into it because I already know his style and like let's get straight to it. You know what I mean? Because I knew it was gonna be fruitful conversation. But just to give like a like a quote from my response, like. I, this was on September 5th too, wow, so it's crazy how time like moves. Mm-hmm. But I said, I wanna respectfully push back on how you noted we as black men don't feel safe and then proceeded to talk about all that we can do, but left out all the things people need to stop doing and the support we could use. Now, mm-hmm. the conversation ensued and ultimately I'm in full agreement that you gotta start with self. You know what I mean? Everything starts with self accountability. But just going back to some of the things you were saying around like, shame and not feeling safe and the judgment that black men receive like you said one of the most misunderstood balls of like humanity um a lot of people don't take into account the historical um incidences that led to us being where we're at now whether it has to do with our ideas around manhood and masculinity whether it has to do with our views around sexuality and sex and gender or genre Mm -hmm. um whether it's around what we deem as success you know what i mean if you really just i'll I'll harp on that last point how many conversations let's let's take us and us three particularly Mm -hmm. and then black men out of the conversation from a societal perspective how many conversations do you hear people saying about black men's ideas of success not often yeah not at all not very often no like taking it even one step further we can do it y'all may have done it but the viewers google judging black men Mm -hmm. shaming black men um and even black male vulnerability the first two you're gonna see all sorts of accounts that feed into why you should judge us and judgments wow. and shaming on us mm. like nothing even like so going back to the men are trash all that stuff right yeah, yeah yeah and majority of the articles or whatever is going to come up is not written by black men mm-hmm. on the last Facts. one black male vulnerability because this is a particular area where certain black academics and, and even just writers and minds in general have taken more liberty to like you know express their take on it because when you talk about the the premature death that we experience when you mm-hmm. talk about hiv rates and mm-hmm. for gay black men in particular mm-hmm. when you talk about unemployment underemployment all the traumas the, all, just trauma right not. hashtag trauma right when you look at that the black male vulnerability that one's a little bit more layered it's a little more com- complex but ultimately like the the perspective the, the the prevailing perspective is still one that kind of comes from a white feminist lens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like my issue with it is like there are a lot of outside forces 
who are trying to paint well not i wouldn't even say try like i hate to say it they've painted the narrative of what we are who we are what spaces we could be in and how we can do it birth of a motherfucking nation hello the first one you know because 1915 yeah a lot of people go to nate parker's you know what i mean and that i know there's controversy around him it was a great film if you saw it but Mm -hmm. that first one yeah is really where the idea that was probably the i think that that was the first blockbuster it was in u.s mm-hmm. united states history uh, in in the i think period yeah. actually um because it was it set the standard it set the standard you know all all of the research at that time even like you know you're talking about like people coming up with typography all of this stuff was really happening about in this modern modern age being able to do video was huge and what people did was make sure that they reinforced racism at its core showing the black man as a rapist Ms. Andrew Miss mm-hmm. Andre going after a white woman and the white man had to come in and save her. Yeah, yeah. So when 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 you like for she me, crazy. I just bring it back to what you said in that moment. What did I feel? Particularly because you're a black man that I I, I appreciate, I, I admire. You know what I mean? I respect, and I know how far and deep your voice resonates with people. I immediately thought about all the people who are going to take that message you said and misconstrue it. Because I knew what you meant. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a conversation and then let you know where I was coming from. And then mm-hmm. we went where we went. I But I, I had no doubt that you didn't probably take in at least this wasn't like like what I said to you wasn't some like re- revelation. You right, know what I mean? Right. You know, it was something that might have been not too far from your mind. But I know that there are a lot of people, you know, we live in the headline mm-hmm. soundbite era. It's where, true. Where it's 140 like, characters. Hello. You're right. Uh, right. And. You as a black man, if you notice this, let me y'all y'all feel free to share your experience on this. But when we get to talking about the loneliness, when we get to a place of prominence, when we get to a place of like, they, I mean, the black male voice as a whole is silence, but you can't silence this black man. Mm-hmm. They love to then take the opportunity to say, well, guess what this black man thinks about black men? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're all silent and the one that's speaking. Look at look what he thinks let's about expose. you. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's expose. Let's flip the table. Let's flip the decks. So I looked at that as how many people we don't know. Right. This is speculatory. But how many people looked at that and completely missed mm-hmm. what we're talking about now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think about and and it's not your responsibility. You know what I mean? Like you can be accountable for your words, but I don't think you said what you said. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was clearly said like. If somebody misconstrued that, that's their their issue. But that brings me back to my my first point with all of the things that are happening externally right. yeah. before we can even get to doing self work. Yeah, which you need to feel safe yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. You need to have actual support, right. like material. Mm-hmm. You know, before we can get to spiritual. That's so true. And, but in, you, and like the capacities in which people can understand certain things, because I mean, you guys might have very certain, you know, think a certain way, but. Oftentimes, because you guys are leaders in the in, in the areas that you speak, you might have to help people get there and break it down in a way to get to the point where you're trying to get to first. So not saying you might have to dumb yourself down, but you might actually have to say, hey, everybody might not get this, even though it's a good nugget. I might have to dial it back a little bit and then help people catch up with me. And so to that point, that's like I think that's one of the benefits when you all talk about like my presence and when I show up. In the South Bronx, like education, like my neighborhood in particular, like is a stat from 2017 that says absenteeism, the rate of absenteeism for elementary school kids is the highest in the city. It's at like 20 something percent or 28 percent somewhere. in the Meaning 20, that they're not going to they're school. They're not going. To, and and yeah. that means that they're missing 20 days or more. 20 is low. Right. And I know this is I, you went to school in East New York. Yeah. I don't know where you went, but there was students that came to school 
about 20 days. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yo. <laughs> right. I'm always sick. I was like, God, I hope they're doing okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I and had no idea what was really going on back in the day. Retrospect, hindsight's 2020, right. right? But when you look at that, it says they've missed a minimum of 20 days. Imagine how many of those those students missed at least half the school year, mm-hmm. a majority of it, right? So from where I'm coming from, I understand that, you know, and people are still intelligent. Like, there's 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 a, a intellectualness to the streets and yeah. being able to survive oh, that. But in terms of how we look at academia and right. formal education, these people, this, this is a group of people whose competency level, whether it be math or reading, is extremely low. Yeah. And so I am forced to have to think about how do I give this in, like, bite size like increments yeah but be really impactful and substantive with what i say and so i think that that's really informed how i speak in general which obviously for folks with this vast amount of like competency on on the formal education side it's just like you have to consume it you know what i mean you can't even you can't like yeah you can't escape it really meeting people where they are especially if you're trying to get a point or a, a message across it's like you have to really consider everyone you're talking to like you said all of the traumas that are involved and then really meeting people where they are um and trying to help them get there to the bigger picture yeah and i think like you know that further highlights loneliness because even when you eat what your perspective and even being the person in the because the south bronx you know places like east new york brownsville making it up exactly Mm -hmm. and and it is a very isolated it is a very lonely experience and at the time you know i think because you have to you grow up no matter what you grow up no matter where you are age-wise mentality you know things change but life does not stop so Mm -hmm. you're going to experience death you're going to experience heartache you're going to experience relationship issues you're going to have children maybe maybe not or maybe you can't and that it's its own journey and its own issue but i definitely think that that this idea of isolationism has become somewhat of an epidemic and it happened kind of like under our noses because we seem to be more connected with social media. The illusion. The illusion of social media. And and in a, in a society like this, whether you're poor or whether you're not, chances are you may have access to something that can get you plugged in to the internet and to the social space. And it can really then highlight how different you are and things like that. Yeah. So I guess like my next thing is like in terms of like the idea of the reality of what is happening with black men, my, my personal disposition is that that we're not a monolith. Not at all. I, I think that we're it's dynamic and this is why it's really, really important that we do have conversations yeah. like this and go a little bit deeper. Because I think that what you would find or what you will find is that we've also bought into no, into the notion that we do have to be a lot alike or the same. Mm-hmm. So we all have to kind of we all have to have some kind of swag on us. We all have to be cool. We all have to, you know To your point earlier about like the awkward black girl and this is what Yeah, you can't be you that. Know, and yes. everything else beside that, you're isolated. We don't, left we, in the we, back. don't we don't count you. Yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. you may be you may be doing whatever it is you're holding the group back you're holding a group back especially if we identify as this one extreme thing and i think that our liberation is breaking that apart and deciding mm-hmm, that like listen cumulatively we can all say that we want to we want to rise to the occasion mm-hmm. of forming our own identity which means that yeah that's swaggy you know but whatever that whatever that looks like whatever however it is that you show up or maybe that means that we that family is really important to us maybe legacy is really important to us maybe upward mobility and financial responsibility is important to us i don't know but we can clearly identify those things in other cultures um and that is not because of our own fault it's not because of our own doing it's because of what has happened historically to your point when you contextualize things so now that we're here and at this point in the social media era um, the beneficiaries of being in the digital age and things seeming a certain way but not 
actually being the reality. What do you think keeps black men lonely or may keep black lo- black men lonely? I'm asking about black men in particular because I think that the experiences of everyone else is so layered yeah. that I want us to have like we want I want us to be experts in our own fucking right. crazy ass lives it's at this needed. moment, right? Because right now I think like we have a, a very interesting conversation with having like, you know, the the bridge between black gay men and black straight men or at least the three of us sitting here right now i think that even between each other we we we're very lonely like you may not know a lot about my experience and i may not know a lot about yours now i think that you and i will and uh, if i had to put some other it would be like a cut the cool people that we know like Mm -hmm. from the grapevine and some friends that we have but when we can have those opposite exchanges when it comes to sexuality we see that we have a lot in fucking common right so a, a part of us being lonely may be for somebody in the gay community to be like yo like i i though they're they're not gonna like me they're gonna judge me and then on the other side it may be like nah they're gonna hit on me or they may judge me because i'm not as fan i don't know yeah there's a lot of i don't know isms mm-hmm. but we because we don't speak we don't we speak. gotta demystify right. that and, and it's because and we don't speak about those things so we we add another layer in between mm-hmm. us and somebody else who's yeah. actually a part of the community which then amplifies that lonely thing that may exist inside of us so i'm not i'm not really i don't really I'm not really interested necessarily in the gay straight aspect of it, more so that I'm interested black in man. the black man right. perspective. Yeah, the whole thing. Because like you said, we can yeah. demystify that. And I think that's what the, is so important because we have a lot of the same issues and everyone is in their own, like you said, everyone's in their own box thinking, what you doing over there? Like, or, you I know, don't know, keep walking straight. Right. <laughs> and I think it's important. That's why I'm not trying to have a, a praise flow fest, but the, the fact that you show up the way you do and that you can have conversations again, it allows other people to be able to be comfortable in this time to have conversations with other gay men. And just this alone, yeah, my is, brothers. you know what I mean? Boy, just, so, just this yeah. alone is so helpful because it's not a, like, we talk about this all the time and it's unfortunate that a lot of the conversation when it, it, it boils down to sexuality and it, what, what you like and, and I, that's not where our, pro- our problems lie, but it often gets, that is often the focus, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like, I love the fact that we can talk cause I'm a, I'm a black man. You're a black man and you're a black We're man. All, all of us. So yes, we can we have are. a conversation about black masculinity and black men fellowship and how black men navigate spaces because those are all because at the end of the day when we have to work for white people when we have to you know navigate this white space it then it's the same experience oh no that no that's the gay black one right it's the same it's the same experience exactly so i just i just love it i love it so thank you again so i appreciate that and i'll just give like a little background on like how i my my ideas around sexuality and being really secure and comfortable with like Mm -hmm. who i am and why i could be in a room with anybody especially gay black men Mm -hmm. i actually welcome that um i want more of that to happen before i get into that like my family though it's mostly women Mm -hmm. it was queer people in my family you know what i mean so i was exposed to that young we didn't talk about it though the first time that i was really engaged like forced to confront it in a way like especially when you coming up from a culture of like oh that's gay as like a, 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 a just a, a normal term yeah, it's like, a normal term right. and I, i've used that unfortunately almost mm-hmm. like african booty scratcher you know what i mean is a mm-hmm. is a growth process that's why when you ask that question about from six to 30 like you know the person that comes to mind who's my icon is nipsey you know and oh yeah 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 he would, love he, you some nipsey yeah but you everybody know, loves be, nipsey. Yeah, because yeah. when we talk like wow this is the thing and i don't want to take too much time on it but when you talk about Issa Rae and Insecure, Nipsey, for me, 
don't get it twisted. Hip hop is full of all of these braggadocious, bolstering black men who come from hard times. Yeah. But you talking this this guy hit all the markers of not supposed to make it. Unfortunately, he's not here. But if you talk about success, which is something he constantly talk about, we got to redefine what success means to us. Yes. He was an intellectual yes. who was tapped in. We don't we don't talk we talk about his, his rolling sixties affiliation. We talk about all of the hood stuff. We don't talk about he had an Idris Sandu with him, mm-hmm. a geek. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he and he would even say Idris. He said we gotta p- protect him at all costs. That I identify with that because I was the dude that I hung with the cool kids. I wasn't necessarily the coolest kid, but I was with the cool kids because of how funny I was in my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also kicked it with the dorks, mm-hmm. the the Yu Gi Oh players. I also would go kick it with the girls. You know what I mean? It was kids that was really feminine at a young age that may or may not have turned out to be gay. I would kick it with them. I kicked it with everybody. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Flo had love for you if you was authentic. Mm-hmm. And so from the biggest gangsters to the queerest person showed me love because they was like, oh, Flo is authentic. Yeah. And so just bringing wow. it back around to this conversation, like um, it was ninth grade, no, 10th grade when one of my closest friends, my, my closest friend in high, in high school, I went to an all-boys school on a co-ed campus. So just imagine that. Mm-hmm. But Wait. <laughs> This is during the era when Bloomberg was in office and he broke like one school that was had this notorious relate um uh, kind of reputation and instead of making it one school he made it six schools mm-hmm. c- c- to decentralize like hmm. you know the c- connections with mm-hmm. the youth and that was a horrible idea Mess. but at the end of the day it was a friend of mine I'm not going to say his name cuz I know the community very small and things like that yeah. but um he 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 came to me I don't know why he came to me but maybe I should give myself a little more credit your spirit yeah he was like Steven at that time they weren't really calling me I got that name in like 11th grade it's like Steven I'm I'm gay uh, and I was like he was like I should like I'm do I tell people do I not tell people I'm not gay I don't even know what that looks like but this is at a time when um, I didn't put that much thought into it outside of what I thought but mm-hmm. looking back this is at a time when you get your ass it's, beat oh hell this is no. this is like 2016 Listen. like and, and for the record he got chased home a little bit after he came out but luckily we had so I'm, I want let me give the story chronologically. Came to me, and says I'm gay. Like, how do I like? Do I tell people? Do I yeah. keep it to myself? And I I just literally probably like five seconds. I'm like, well, you still my friend, so I don't care if you gay. Be be who you are. I'm I'm gonna be your friend. And that was probably the most privileged thing I could say at that time, right? Because I clearly had no overs. I wasn't prepared for that question, but this really informed my understanding because he came out. Yeah, with my with my support and and, and and advice, and if not a day later, the next day, the blush chased him home. Wow! And he got away luckily, but they chased him, and you know my boy, heart of a line, you know what I'm saying? Because he was this is then I I know this is not surprising y'all, but just for the more narrow minded folks, my my bro was gay, but my bro did not play. Right? You feel me? I mean, he wasn't about to fight all the bloods, but <laughs> right. You 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 bring it to him. He he was with the smoke. You he wasn't one starting on one, I'll whoop your ass. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he's like, I'm a top you off, and then I'm a mop you off. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that was like something he would say. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I thought he was so gangster to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I ran, ran real gangsters. Gangsters mm-hmm. not like for the toughest, rough around the edge. It's it's, it's you being fully present in who you are, your authenticity, and That's not right. cowering when outside pressure say. Oh, now don't do that right now because mm-hmm. that's not a good look. Wow! Like what you mean? That's gangster. So yeah, so that was gangster yeah. to me. So I'm looking. I'm like, yeah, y'all can call them gay. Call say I'm gay with them all. At the end of the day, he gonna ride. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can't. We can't say that for or, or, or everybody else that's supposed to be straight because a lot of other brothers came out gay later on. But 
everybody else is straight. It's like, well, if anything, we don't. It's not that many gay dudes here. The ones that I'm seeing, they holding it down, and they got to of of us with the straight folks. Not the point against you know, because it's it's just a numbers game, but. It's a lot of dudes that's going to fold over here in the straight pocket over here. Right. So it's not to put straight or gay against each other, but it's to give perspective. Exactly. It's all about perspective. You know, and so when that happened, fortunately, now this is the part I didn't want to give away. After he got chased, the school I went to, it's defunct now, but it was very um, predicated on like black and brown unity and empowerment. And so our, our principles were this in Guzu Saba. The seven principles of Kwanzaa, right? And they really emphasize brotherhood. So even with all of the, um, what do you call it, uh, homo- homophobia and just like xenophobia, like our brotherhood was so tight, we had a big homie blood in the school that said, listen, I hear y'all, but that's out. We're not chasing him. It's going it's gonna, it's gonna to be a whole war situation in here if, if he got to worry about going to school. So what we doing? Mm-hmm. Cut all of that down. Wow, then nice. he start, you know, he moving through school. He start getting more flamboyant, of course. But in that, like, and now I'm looking at some of my other brothers I went to school with. Some who've transitioned, you know, mm-hmm. moved to the sex that they most identify with, mm-hmm. you know. And it, that really, you know, some people say, "Oh, it's tearing down the black community." Man, you gotta. We talk about loneliness, not being able to be who, like, feel from like from the get go. Yeah, and this we we just found out about it right, in high school. Exactly. So <laughs> we talk about unlearning as just. Let's just, not even just regular no. on our own. So again, going back, like that is that's crazy. Yeah. So that really so that crazy. really hits home for me because, like, for me, it's not a like people look at it as like a zero sum. Like, if like if Nipsey can't be all of who he is, R.I.P. Then like that means if um I mean if Nipsey in order for Nipsey to be who he is, Donovan can't be who who he is, mm-hmm. or in order for Donovan to be who he is, Nipsey. Nah. Like Lies. at the end of the day. We all got to feel like whole, as whole as possible, especially when our bodies are under surveillance and under attack. Yeah. Like, we got to come together. Yeah. That's my, and I don't want to do this whole kumbaya. Like, I'm actually talking, I'm promoting, like, like black liberation. Brotherhood, yeah. fellowship. Yeah. Brotherhood, what fellowship. Is, yeah. It. The, we ain't got to all like each other, right? I know we hear this mm-hmm. all the time. We don't. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. But the toleration got to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uni- unity got to be there. Yeah. Because... What you hear now, when we, and we touched on it in some of our earlier conversations is, and black women experience this as well, but we're going to keep it on black men. When all the odds have, have turned against us, who going to be there for us? And the sad thing is, and, mm-hmm. and, and you have examples of when we did show up, but collectively, because you see the numbers and the statistics, mm-hmm. we don't even show up for yeah, ourselves. Nope. Yeah, show down. You know, and, 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 and there's a particular, oh, but we even talk about, about how they perpetuate some of the, the the harms that come against us not collectively but yeah. how we kind of paint it as they're all for us and none of them are against us you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying it's, it's kind of like the inverse of all black men are trash whereas all like black all women. black women are saving us right. you know mm-hmm. and so i do agree with you that's been my experience but mm-hmm. i've had some friends who they, their 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 relationship with their mother was severed yeah and so you know it's another one of those legacies where you adult you gotta you know you have to take accountability for your actions right. at some point but 
when do we address the fact that this this young man was never given a fair opportunity to have a healthy relationship with a woman? Yeah, it's like true. where do we? You know what I mean? You, we got to answer to both those things. Yeah, you know you're right, that, and that that's actually a uh, a conversation we're going to be having on the grapevine this season. That's beautiful. I and hope to be a part of that one. Fucking oh, absolutely! I cannot fucking wait because I think that you're right. There is a lot of of things to be had, a lot of conversations to be had in that area as well. I, I agree with that. And, and I'm new to again my experience. Black women, you heard me on one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. All they've done was fall us and take care of us that episode actually like conversations i had with the homies yeah in the hood you feel me because they be cracking jokes over your great vibe just because it's so different from how right. they engage right. yeah you know? but it's actually very That's similar why you're so necessary but yeah thank you but it goes back to what you were saying well even you donovan is actually very the same the only the thing that reason why they're saying it's so different is because they're viewing it through like this hyper feminine lens that's just right. because a, a few gay men happen to be on like that's the focus that's and, right. you know we'll, that's too much to unpack right now we could talk about it but I'm, I'm i'm gonna keep it on the point that we actually that's exactly how we articulate on the block yeah it mm-hmm. should be different conversations and i'll be challenging it with them i'm like yo bro what, what we doing we be, right. right what we doing right now right what we do, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it take time. And fortunately, like, I, I started to give up. Like, not give up. Like, I'm going to start a conversation, but, yeah. like, not really pressing on it. I'm going to just name it and, you know, you get it or you don't. Right. But they start to come around on some of their ideas around, like, you know, approaching women in the street. You yeah. know what they call this cat calling. Yeah. Um, their ideas around, like, gay men and, like, are they in or are they out? You know what I mean? Are they a part of us? Are they not? You know what I mean? We started having, like, they surprised me with certain conversations about, like, you know, like one of them, work, one of my closest friends works in construction. So, you know how toxic that could be. Just yeah. the culture that it mainly because of the toxins that they're exposed to mm-hmm. and the culture of like the racism in that industry is crazy. Um, so they're self-medicating. Oh, sure. They're self-medicating a lot of times. Yeah. So a lot of men that work in construction, I'm not sitting there putting a the cape out for them, but a lot of men in their right minds, they pruned up because they off the, the liquor. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even want to go into that. Like, that hurts me. But at the end of the day, bringing it back to the gay men, straight men. All kinds of black men, just if you a black man, period, yeah. trans, whatever, we got to come together, man, because nobody's going to do it for us. Yeah. And the more we come together, the more we can claim space and correct the narrative. Exactly. Mm-hmm. First of all, facts, 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 facts. And what came to my mind when you were saying a lot of the things that you were saying was a lot of what I believe happens is that society will paint the picture of who we are because they own media mm-hmm. they own a lot of the mechanisms even when you even own the go, textbooks and the, te- the te- come on what, facts. You, what you're reading about yourself and speaking of when you go into when you go around new york even a high school that i went to the junior high school that i went to which one of those specialized schools that you had to test into they look like prisons yeah. right yeah you, you, you see my I said that, and i said that the other day i was uh, driving around that looks like, like jail i said I, go, I went to that school <laughs> school to prison pipeline <laughs> so so with that being said like we know that the outside world looks at us a certain kind of way and i think that like through conversations like this we would agree that there's a certain level of empathy that does not exist for black people at all but certainly does not exist for black men we can think about you can we go back to birth of a nation but if we go back to before that you know slavery for example is one of the things that i think is just so unique about black people because other races were enslaved they were irish slaves they were italian slaves however they couldn't survive they died off really fast. They It wasn't working. And, and Africans became the slave. This is the five-star slave, okay? Treat mm-hmm. them like shit, but they are five-star slaves. The auction block, a.k.a. you can put that all the way against something like football. It's the same kind of shit. Now, it's football, for example, is a place where everybody gets a concussion. 
the players over 70 percent of the players are black no one gives a fuck right yeah but in that same kind of experience it's about kind of like using the black experience using the black body using the black man as disposable mm-hmm where is the empathy that empathy that says these men deserve to be treated better? Mm-hmm. What can we do to make sure that they that um, college football players are getting paid more money or like what can we do to make sure that we create a safer space? No one gives a fuck. S- certainly an in industry, but certainly not in the day to day. So I think that there's a lack of empathy from out- outside communities to black mm-hmm. men. Do you think that there's a lack of empathy amongst black men? This is where I would take the side that you took in our um, in- uh, DM exchange. I I don't really, and we can have more conversation, but I'm very limited in seeing where empathy would come from if it doesn't come from us. Like, right. we have to. And one thing I'm very big on, and I've 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 got, I've kind of fallen off the horse a little bit more recently, just because like academia is so violent and mm-hmm. a lot of other oh things. But I'm very big on when I see a black man looking like sharp, or it's just anything that I could really like point to that they're doing that I could lift up and, 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 and give them their star, you know what I mean? The, right. the, the, the acknowledgement. We had to do that. Like, I know it sounds like, man, what you mean? Like, yeah. I'm not about to acknowledge this other black man, go out of my way. Nah, I'd be on a train. Yeah. I'd be in an elevator, in a, in a predominantly, going on my way to a predominantly white institution, wherever I can. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I, I actually spend more time complimenting black men than black women now mm-hmm. which i do that a lot like mm-hmm. i've i've kind of it's it's you know because you, you only have so much capacity so it's kind of changed positions right yeah. and it's not because my my feelings towards black women have changed at all like again i didn't have any men in the, in the household so mm-hmm. i'm really like restoring and repairing my relationship right. with black men so it's i like realized the, the back work to it all right that needed Facts. more work we talk about balance i realized that that needed more work and so I see the black woman as like the, the the second closest thing to God. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, and can't nobody like you know what I mean. You could put me in jail. You could torture me. Like you can't get that image out of my head. Like right. it was too much reinforcement. Especially for that. as life creators, it. I always look at a black woman for one for her wouldn't be no me. Mm-hmm. Like I, they exactly. just, they're just the basis of where it starts, mm-hmm. and then that grows just based off of my pleasant experiences, mm-hmm. and you know. But with black men, we see that as opportunity. Like if you notice when you see, and I want to know where y'all stand on it, but. Mm-hmm. When you see a black man, at least coming from the South Bronx, for me, is do I got to watch my back about him real quick? Mm-hmm. All right, he's not a threat. Now process him. Mm-hmm. Right. Like literally, we we have internalized our oppressor, particularly the white man's view right. of who On we are. Selves. And so now, when you look at it, think about it. You talked about football, the black male, the black body in general, but particularly the black male's body mm-hmm. is. It's 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 for consumption, mm-hmm. disposable, as you said. So, when you take a human being and demote it to a body, mm-hmm. how can you feel any? It's a body. Yeah, you got to think about it. When somebody gets killed and and, and they have the mortician, the body. Mm-hmm. The minute you don't have life in you anymore, our culture trains you to say the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not this was Donovan McNabb, like literally or soul. Soul. Or, yeah, no, it's the body. So yeah. literally. We are like what everybody becomes when they die. We are just that. Yeah. And so how do you have empathy for a body? Like everybody has a body. Like, you know what I mean? You crush an insect. Like that's the yep. insect's body, which yeah. we should care about the insect as well. Yep. But like just to use that comparison mm-hmm. to show you just how disposable you said we are. And I think we, you talk about the law of attraction and going back to that spiritual part you was talking about, well, like we, we, we really are like, 
the co-creators of life and civilization and we got to own that yeah. and i think our our presence and our our influence because there's another thing i've seen somebody say like um without black women there's no culture or whatever and it's like yeah but that we are collective mm-hmm. unity so not saying every black woman is with a black man right but like we we create in community yeah. even if there's segmented parts of community so you can't really just give it to black men or black women or anybody like but black people as a whole we are culture that's right you know what i'm saying and so when i, I think agree. the black man really comes back into that space of owning that walking in that and you're gonna falter yeah. you know what i mean it's ro- like use new york city streets is a perfect example there's gonna be cracks in the pavement right potholes you, know, you know it's one color gonna be this this shade another one gonna be that shade but guess what Everybody walking on onto that shit, and some motherfuckers is going in the mansions, some motherfuckers going in the trap. At the end of the day, people are making something out of whatever they got, mm-hmm. whether it be nothing or something, and they coming back on this pavement to keep them afloat yeah. and keep them standing on them ten toes. Yeah. So that's how we got to move as black men and really live in our power, our greatness. Like it's really at every level. And I think going back, the last thing I say with the social media, we get caught up in the people. Attention is expensive. Yes. And however, we still seem to only spend it on a few, a a small portion of society. So everybody gets caught up on who's getting the most attention and what they're doing. You got to be self-determined enough and you got to build your village and you really like, you got to be intentional. Like we got like thought, the new, the new definition of thought should be aggressively seeking fruitful helpful healthy beneficial relationships mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily tied to romance mm-hmm. right that, like we need to be thoughts for human connection that mm-hmm. builds us up exactly mm-hmm. devoid of sex mm-hmm. and then the, and then add into that our our bodies are most sexualized mm-hmm. so that's where i wanted to go yes. with the football people yeah. love to see us going at each other and so what i also want to make space for and really just so step true. back is is gay black men this is why we as men Black men have to come together because think about that. That's just the basis for black men. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 even though I'm not gay, I feel for the like the fetishization and the and the kind of like putting up on a pedestal of the gay black man. And I feel like at times like media does it mm-hmm. in spite of. And that's not to say the the gay black man shouldn't be up there. This is not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is it seems like they're doing it in a way. This is the black man we're gonna show, but. They don't show all of gay yeah, black men. Right. You get what I'm saying? They sh- they're showing you such a, mm-hmm. a, a, a very very narrow. It's and then fake. even when you even think about back in the day when a lot of these comedians that are were doing movies, a lot of them were getting put on by dressing like women. Right. Big Mama's house. You have uh, uh there's a couple others. Jamie Foxx as one. Oh, it was everybody. Everybody. It was, was almost like an initiation. Mm-hmm. It was like an initiation. Yeah. And and I think that was definitely about lessening the intimidation of the black right. man and the that, body that, how they that, show up that's the way that they show up that amazing body that big ass dick and and, <laughs> and, and and we know that this has always been a problem because you know mm-hmm. it was white men who were cutting off our dicks and putting it in the mouth castration as a black, right. as a mm-hmm. black man or or having such a visceral reaction to the way that we come and you get to use us you get to use our bodies but you hate us so much for having that skill set for having that ability that mm-hmm. you would kill us and do yeah. such horrible things yeah. to us and and that is what I, I I see even in London when we went over to London and we were talking about knife crime. Oof. You know, that really burns my heart because you, when you think about fighting somebody with a knife, you have to be very close. It's a very intimate, it's intimate killing. Yeah. And and for me, like the hair on my hand is standing up right now because that means that you would have to get so close to somebody who looks like you to take that anger out on them. What could they have done? 
you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are very, very horrible things that speak of, but there are a lot of foolishness things that, that, that we that we do that, that that we kill each other and mm -hmm. so close and that and I just I think that that is so blasphemous. Um, not to get I'm not a, I'm not a religious person, but I think that that is what we have literally been set up to do. This indoctrination indoctrination of being self-destructive and also buying into devaluing each other and this is what i like to hone in on right here mm -hmm. because if you are worthy right then you wouldn't satisfy you wouldn't be satisfied with certain things if you feel worthy i would say you wouldn't be, be satisfied with seeing another black man be harmed you wouldn't be satisfied with what that feels like when you mm -hmm. see yourself in him empathy empathy mm. and i and i think that that empathy has been like you said i don't think that we were ever we've never been given access to that and i think mm -hmm. that that gets removed when you take away the village mentality mm -hmm. because the when you buy into the village mentality it says that we are one i'm going to invest in this i'm going to invest in that i'm going to invest in that that you got my back i got your back and when you do when you separate people you take away language you take away tradition you take away black bodies and you put them in jail for corporate consumption and you do all of these things of course we look at each other as things that are commodified you can get off of this fucking you i need you to go to so make more space for me right you see that violently in the streets and you see it violently in the corporate space when somebody who was of your color will try to take away an opportunity from you right you see it in the violence of colorism you see it in the violence of you know texturism and all the other ways that we don't see each other and hoping that we make a little bit more room for the white acceptable gaze mm -hmm. you know so that we can have access to money or whatever it may be and at this particular point you know this is like the the part of the conversation where it's like i, I completely get that i completely acknowledge that now what becomes interesting and i think is the heavy lifting mm -hmm. is to say at this point whether you have nothing or whether you have everything whether you have that nipsey in you or whether you have fucking old school don lemon in you yeah pre-trump don lemon yeah like how mm -hmm. do we start to see the empathy in each other you've mentioned some amazing things already but like if you like let's say that you were talking to the folks like the the folks on the block right that's the hardest that's the i would argue that's probably one of the hardest like after it's that you got to go to the like the congo and you got to go to like the caribbean you know the shanty towns like listen but that's like in in the u.s context those are the hardest people to get empathy out of but i'll let you yeah, continue my yeah, bad. yeah i mean first of all you're right and i'm gonna I'll, I'll tell you one example of empathy that i had that i saw that i had with my very very caribbean black damn near african looking family is we were having a conversation it was it was gay gay facing i'm the only gay well that's not true <laughs> But I'm one of the I'm the loud gay one. You're the t the the model. I am the gay one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were having a conversation as I made all of the men uncomfortable, um, and I was talking specifically about the legacy of homophobia in Jamaica, and I said, you know, you have to we have to contextualize this, and we have to mention that through the very very powerful organization that we call Christianity or that we call religion, whatever, wherever we're playing, whatever ideology we come from. It comes with, it unleashes fury, you know, doctrines, uh, Bible verses, uh, the, the stories, the traditions, the things that may not even be written, but it's understood. When you, con when you participate in that, it's very, very hard and a very lonely experience to be outside of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that you're indoctrinated, you become a part of that, fine. 
we're going to acknowledge that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of this stuff that's outside of our control because our minds are meant to be programmed and we've been programmed. Okay. Yeah. Now we had, we got to a part of the conversation where we acknowledge that there were a lot of West African people who were brought to the Caribbean. The story is that these particular West Africans that they brought to a lot of the Caribbean islands were the most vocal. They were the most, they were strong, but they were difficult and they were brought over to the islands very specifically to be broken down. Yep. Which involved a lot of rape, mm-hmm. a lot of a male lot on of male. male rape. You know these slaves being raped even the by, women by, too, by, the white women. But we'll oh, keep it oh, in yes, the men. Yeah, yes, we'll keep it in yes. Men. Specifically because I'm linking to homophobia. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see what's going. Right. Yeah. A lot and of people don't know that. Too, a lot so of people I appreciate don't know that. You. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that, and I think that it's important because when I spoke and I mentioned buck breaking, my uncle was like, "Eh, he, yes, eh, he, yes, them did that." You know, like he was very much like, "Yes, this is visceral like, response," and, it, and he's visceral, and he was. It made him mad. He ain't never been raped, not that I know of. Excuse me, I don't. Yeah, right, I, right. I mean, I don't know about that, but he has never, you know, given me that information. I've never heard the stories of him having um, an interaction that will cause that level of homophobia as opposed to being given that level of homophobia that may be rooted mm-hmm. in feeling demasculated mm-hmm. and feeling like, you know, we come from a legacy of strong black men who overcame homo behavior. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's linked and, to oppression. It's linked, And this is what I'm saying. Unfortunately. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying. So because of a combination of trauma and because of a combination of organized religion, my experience was that the empathy came in us acknowledging that that is real. We both acknowledge that it's true that we came from a legacy of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he wouldn't necessarily agree that the religious aspect is incorrect, but what we would definitely agree on, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll take exactly. We, we met in the middle yeah. and he participated in the rest of the conversation. Do you understand? It's a, yeah. a major step, a major step. And, also, as I continue to show up, as I continue to make the room uncomfortable, everybody becomes more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, everybody's fine, mm-hmm. right? So I see that this is a moment-by-moment, moment, present, progressive transition that we will have to experience. I just feel that as black men, because of all of these outside things which you highlighted in, right. in our exchange, it creates this chasm in our real life. And when you talked about perspective, and I say real life because a part of this, when we go back into our communities, it becomes real in a different way. Oh, yeah. Right? It becomes you, real in a way. You can't get that on a podcast. Exactly. And it, <laughs> exactly. And you can't inspire mm-hmm. somebody out of their home situation or the block. You can't inspire somebody out of bullets. You can't inspire somebody away from poverty. It's more so like they have to be able to apply these things in a very technical way. Mm-hmm. So I mean for us I see like there is there are technical aspects which means what? Continuing to have conversations continuing mm-hmm. to, to push people and try to stretch people when you can but that becomes really 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 mm-hmm. difficult and, and so for me it's like until we stop having empathy for each other once we agree that there's a perfect victim who's been killed and then we kind of like gather around that people we will always be picked off by the outside world but we'll always pick each other off i'm not talking about black on black crime i'm talking about this relenting kind of disposition which says that i don't i can't care about you and i can't see you right now one because i've been taught not to see you and and not to care about you and two because like you said because i've been on a block too and been like especially when i moved to this neighborhood and it was a little bit different at that time but i've walked on the block and be like and somebody was like yo oh his pants is mad tight and my thing was like well i've experienced that as a straight dude when when we first started wearing pants but i know it's obviously it's different for you yeah it's so for me it was like well what i said was 
are you asking me out on a date? Like, what? Why the fuck do you care how pan- how tight my pants are? My pants didn't bother you. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But because because we're not we're you're on the block. Do you want me to tell you how I feel about you being on the block, not doing nothing right now? Do you want me to? Do you want this right, to become right. a thing? Because you wanna you wanna talk about me because of what I'm wearing? Because guess what? These white dudes in this neighborhood, their pants them look like it was painted on. You think that they open their mouth and talk shit about the white people? They don't. Can I say something on that really quick? Because mm-hmm. you're right. But just adding perspective, I don't agree with this, but yeah, that might be a point of empathy, not for you necessarily, but just in this conversation, because yeah. I think part of where that's coming from, I just caught it. You're representing him when you walk down that street, mm-hmm. which we, we I, you know, I think that's a bit convoluted, but I think that's why we don't say anything to yeah. the white man. And when I say we, I'm using that broadly. Right. I, don't, yeah. I don't do that. It's like I'm not tethered to these motherfuckers. I don't have nothing to do with them. And yeah, Fuck I, em. I, I, I could see, but what, it, but I could see like, what you mean. I'm, and I'll use it and I, I come back to the speed because everybody, I just, you know, say your Instagram again because I don't know it. I know it's something with Bo. Duke, Duke of Bo. Duke of Bo. You really got to go to his Instagram page and see this speedo, this picture with the speedo. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, honestly, somebody should paint that or whatever the case may be. Oh, that would be great. Bro, but you I, can hang it up. But right. I come back to it because even me. As, as, and I saw it. I like I I go to new beaches, all of that stuff, right? But I saw it in the deep rooted homophobia, kind of kicked into me. Like, why are you like? Why is this something that is deserving of praise to you? Like, real quick, but then I checked it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I don't live in that space. But part of it was maybe oh, people seeing me at the new beach, or I wear like I don't wear speedos. I, I maybe I will, but I like um boxer briefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like people see me, like I have a picture, like. Like not as glamorous as yours, but I have a picture like that, and I'm like, maybe people will think think I'm gay, and I don't even care. I I use me as a proxy, yeah, to say I'm not even getting at it like that. I'm very secure. It's like and the it's, idea and of thinking stoked. that we're reflections of each we're other. reflections yeah. of each other, and so I think that there is empathy there, but wrongly rooted empathy. Yeah, that then maybe not for you necessarily, or in a different because there's dynamics with that. We know yeah. you only have to go, but. How do we then flip those into the conversations like the one you had with your uncle? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's so I like the way that you actually said that because the empathy for me kind of like is a reverse. It's like it's kind of like the other side of that, maybe, which I I sometimes feel that sometimes that immediate rush to shame is because I don't care. And and, and there's a level and there's and yeah, and there's a level of the audacity to take up space in that way, especially when I think oftentimes we don't take up the space that we want to. Mm. So to me, I think that maybe by way of empathy, um, I think that there there comes a certain level of energy. That's because there is you're in a, you're in a cage, you're in a box, and dare I step outside of it? Mm. Now, whether if it's because you feel like I'm represent I'm representing you not in the right way, or if I'm representing myself in totality. I feel like there is there within lies a lot of the work that we will have to do. A lot. Because as a, I would say like as a gay black man, I have no choice but to see straight black men. Yeah. Because That's the norm. in this society, that is the standard. Now, in order to look at something, even as I look at trans people, you know, I, I'm not a trans, I'm not a trans man, I'm not a trans woman. Um, but I feel very much like I can, in my brain, I can work through how this came to be right. through my understanding of energy. 
So when I see us in the street and we see the various expressions of the energy that we all have, yeah, whether that be masculine and feminine energy, which is always comes back down to this for me, that's where I see the prison cell looking all kind of kind of crazy ways. And you realize that maybe it's not the feminine part of the feminine energy that's locked up. Maybe it is a masculine energy that's locked up because when it's kind of like, you know, being behind bars in those movies, you see like the guys behind bars and then something, somebody passes by and they're like, I'm gonna rape you later, bitch. Like, oh, you know, or they do all yeah, that kind yeah, of crazy yeah. shit, which we know that's the movies, but I'm yeah. using that. I'm using that more so just to it's say very, like, very calm on a, on a cell block. I mean, I haven't been in all of them, but like it's very calm on a cell block, generally speaking, unless you're in one of those facilities. Yeah. It's very calm on a cell block on a regular day. It's literally like the hood, just you can't leave. Um, you oh. know, but, uh, like East New York, it'd be a lot of shootings, right? But yeah. you walk through the majority of the time you walk through the block, there's no shooting. Easy, and, then, and then it's a week, but then there's a week. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the cell block. It's a certain time. Yeah, it's certain, certain time. time. It's like you know, when, time. When, when this person came home or, you know, it's yeah. literally like who, who came into the facility at that time. Yeah. But I just say that for that but, piece. I like that context. And then just to your point, um, yeah. I that's when we think, when, I, when we tie it back to loneliness, I think that when you talk about black men and masculinity on all types of fronts, that's where a lot of the problem is is because we've been told what masculinity looks like what a man is supposed to do what and then when we realize as we get older that we don't fit those boxes we instantly like well i'm other now even if you're a straight black man you know what i mean what if you're not the most vocal and you don't have your chest out what if you are a sensitive what is that quiet spoken black man does that you know you're now you're getting called gay now you know what i mean and so i think that's where a lot of that talking about locking up masculinity is because we haven't been allowed to explore the the variety yes. of masculinity and what masculinity is and, and how it's been defined culturally. And hasn't and our, been defined by us. And right? hasn't been defined. Mm-hmm. Like we, 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 we gay people are not allowed to be a part of the masculinity conversation because we've already been You're gay. You're feminine. Gay is feminine. Like, yes. Which is not. But that's, exactly. that, that's what but we've done. But if you know like science, everyone, even women there's testosterone in there there's yeah. some form of masculinity in there and it's it's a it's a balance so mm-hmm. you have to be able to leave room for the spectrum you have to leave room for yourself and that's why and that's why for me like that's why i use the analogy of masculinity being locked that's up that's why i really like that's why i was like damn that's a we need to unleash this shit nah, that was we, real what you yeah, said we, yeah. we haven't been able Look, to do that yeah and then when you think about just very quick when you yeah. think about like the visualization of it it looks crazy it looks like these people are out of control. It looks toxic. It looks a certain kind of way. But when you see what masculinity looks like being held behind bars, that is the experience that I believe we, we, we get to see. That's so the as a narrative. Gay, right. So as a gay man who decides to participate in all of who I am, I'm outside of those bars. Right. And it creates a reaction. And I believe That's that deep. that and, is what we have seen. And, and I believe that that is lifting that bar lifting that out of the way so that you can have room to breathe allows you to leave other people be right other people have the room to breathe and therefore knowing that you deserve that then says that you deserve that Mm -hmm. and that is empathy and that and to me that is very very masculine showing up for who you are because when you actually think about what a man is supposed to do and, and, and why they isolate themselves. But then these are the same people that are supposed to be building leading communities. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very hard to do that when you are not able to fully step into all of your forms of 
masculine or just yourself in general. You're unfit to lead. Yeah. Yes. Unfit to lead. You I, I, I want to. Man, that was really profound with both of y'all just said, but I'm still harping on like masculinity is locked up. And that brings me to, I forget where the stat comes from, but of all of the people in solitary confinement, Mm -hmm. I believe 44 or 45% of them are are men, black men. And then of those black men, 61% of them are political prisoners. Whoa. And so that just makes me think like- Jesus. And we're not, I don't think anybody's like done a study yet or I haven't come across a so study. So for those that don't know what a political prisoner is, can you explain that? So basic, me first, I give my definition. I think we're all political prisoners, mm-hmm. but that's too loose. I understand like academia theory. So a political prisoner is somebody, I'll use a Asada Shakur, a Matulu Shakur as a perfect example. Yeah. Asada is not locked up, fortunately, and let's keep her free. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you have gone against the establishment and you have caused quote unquote enough social uprising mm-hmm. that the the masses have now like you know kind of rioted mm-hmm. and you know and and, and, and gone like mad mm-hmm. at the system and so now you're showing that you're more powerful than the system mm-hmm. and so we need to lock down and decapitate wow. you yep. um if we don't kill you because mm-hmm. that's the other part about it I think that was where I was going with the statistic it's like you either if you're a strong black male leader, it's either solitary confinement or a casket. Yeah. And we know that, right? Like the casket right, part, of, you can't get that back. Right. But there's a lot of our political prisoners. Um, Abu Adu Jamal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like I, I should know more of them, but there's a lot of political prisoners that just get forgotten. Yeah. And we talk about, so I want to just come to like a real vulnerable moment mm-hmm. when you said that where, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about in activism and organizing that, you know, these spaces are led by women. Even if we portray it as men are at the front, it's mostly women at the bottom mm-hmm. doing the work. And I think we forget how we got there. It, it was through the locking up mm-hmm. of masculinity. And so something that I just realized, and it's going to come back full circle. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking about women, but it comes back to men. Something that I think we forget is the role that we play in our own erasure. Yeah. So you think about it and i think this is part of correct me if i'm wrong i think this is part of why not just you two men but folks appreciate me so much and what i'm doing because they don't get to see a black man doing a lot of what i'm doing and i have to be honest with you as as my platforms rise i, I you know i try not to I'm, i try to move fearlessly but you know i didn't see some things and you just you could get a sense of the energy where it's like oh shit i'm not only being watched mm-hmm I'm ruffling feathers. If I right. if I if I go a little too far right, some bullets might come. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm in it. I I do believe I'm entering that space, and so, like, mm-hmm. I've had people like when I put when I first put that clip up of me with the bullhorn, so many people mm-hmm. response in a DM was be careful. Yeah. They, they they lifted it up, but oh, a lot wow. of people like. A Ooh, lot. I just of, got shivers, bro. I, that, I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I haven't. I know I haven't unpacked that because I'm like. I was like, oh shit, I, I forgot. Save that I, for that's later. difficult to unpack. I, I need to save that for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 I got to keep moving. Yeah. Because wow. at first, because then <sighs> initially, and I'm come back to the point. It's, it's a long tangent, but like initially, it it started. 
I started to kind of get more in that Malcolm X bag. Like, I'm not scared to die, which I'm not, right? But, like, I want to live a full life. Like, I have people yeah, that I you, love. Right? I want to be I have here. people that I love went, me. And, right. I'm, and, you know, and then the, that's what part of why the Nipsey thing jumps at me so much because we don't, you know, people talk about him being a father, but, like, you could go back to when he was at his worst, when he wasn't as evolved. He was always a father. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. from the minute he had kids, he was there. And then what you see with the other children he ended up having to be a sir. I see myself in that same situation. There's not a lot of men that they could take to in, in a space that's accessible to them in the neighborhood. So you end up being a lot of kids' parents, mm-hmm. but yeah. you don't have the capacity for that. And I love it. They give me a lot of energy. They remind me of why I'm here. But then it's like, you go home, I'm about to be 30. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I could be in a little better shape, but my body is starting to get affected yeah. a little more differently. So I got to sit down. You know what I mean? I'm doing all these different things. But just coming back, the erasure that happens in the movement of saying black men aren't here, it's all women, and it's like no acknowledgement of how that happened. And so when you talk about the locking up of masculinity, this is the same thing I'm seeing that may be popping into straight males' minds when they see a Donovan not only walking down the street, but when they see shows like Pose coming out, when they see RuPaul's Drag Race coming out, which that is the wrong, that like let let me go on record and say, you should not feel as though these people are the reason for your oppression or your silencing or adding to your erasure. However, the nuance, there are individuals where when you're in a particular place of power, when you don't make acknowledgement of these people, yeah. because what do we say to white people? Silence is, is compliance, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, why would that not apply to us? And, yeah. I, and I say that, again, this is, I think, will make it all land home. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important for me to be on a show like Grapevine and show up the way I do be on a platform like no days off show up the way i do because part of the answer to your question of how do we build empathy there's gay people in the hood but it's different when you grew up with them and they're still exhibiting forms of masculinity that you identify with yeah the men that they may not identify with in here but we know in different contexts they might see you a particular way and be like oh that's my nigga excuse Mm, my language but they see you in your in you know in your in your public figure like they can't identify with it I come onto this platform now. They, your bros on the show. You gotta look. You gotta listen. You gotta right. pay. This is the, the 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 crux of this is content, substance, and conversation. Yeah. So you can't just be watching it and then like black out the two gay men. Like you <laughs> right. gotta. You know what I'm saying? You gotta have the whole thing. Yeah. And so part of like being on these platforms, one of them be honest, is a privilege for me to be on here. It's an honor. You know what I mean? Especially to represent the folks I feel like I represent, mm-hmm. which is all black men, but very particularly South Bronx black men in the hood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm honored that we can make this connection because right. obviously y'all are open minded, but there's even folks on your end of the spectrum is like, oh, I can engage that dude that may look like, you Facts. know, exactly. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a I, lot. I love that you mentioned that. I think that that is a great point about like you know the erasure that we have to acknowledge is the fact that there are not a lot of black men who are given the space to be authentic to have an authentic representation of who we are in our non-monolithic you know reality it's like we are not all the same but we keep getting the same shit over and over and over and over again even right now I think Ashley t- tweeted this out from the Grapevine account saying that like she has a lot of friends who are making original scripts, but people keep putting out remakes. You know, I love a good remake, but it's at the same time, there are so many things to be unleashed. Mm-hmm. The realities need to be unleashed and we don't see we that wanna, very we often. We want to see the same thing over and over. Yeah. This and, is and, why I have a production company. Yeah. This is like precisely why not just like directing, like developing, financing, funding. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we want to be involved at various aspects of producing absolutely a, a project because we know how much 
how important it is to have people behind the lens. Yeah, and it's and, three black men. Yes, and that's and, and three are are you guys all all, all of us straight all gender. all of us or cisgender? Um, you know yes. we got to use the yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was just I was just no, curious. No, for me, just I just say like against family, but then I do always come back to the mind. Well, if you're not straight, then you crooked, and my gay brothers is not crooked. So yeah, but Facts. But, but you know, heterosexual, heteronormative yeah. black men, all yeah. from the Bronx, ironically, yeah. very three different stories because one like started moving other places more yeah. frequently, got into gifted programs and things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, but what with that common thing i've noticed also that like a lot of creatives a lot of people who have done a lot of research outside of like the very very structured educational put that also in air quotes y'all educational system that we have a lot of those men once again asking those hard questions really really i've noticed develop a very different relationship with the with the queer community yeah usually it's like all right i see y'all i want to be me so i see y'all just trying to be you Mm -hmm. so it's all good and then it even like goes further where it's like these are my homies these are my friends Mm -hmm. to me my family my family that's a fact yeah and it's about like you know just settling yourself settling Mm -hmm. these things that we were taught that are not in fact true about our Mm -hmm. own fucking selves Mm -hmm. so you know i think i I really do believe oh what is the name of your a soul man productions a soul s-o-l-m-a-n-n is that what you um did your documentary through? Well, yeah, we're still working on it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, set to be. We we hoping to get it out before the end of this year. I'm waiting I don't for give it. A date just yet. I'm waiting for it's it. It's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. we are gonna have screenings and everything. So y'all mm-hmm. gonna get invited Listen, and all that. Yes, yeah. I'd like to be invited. Oh, and you know that. You and know I, that. Yeah. You know, to both of you guys, it's points of the kind of going back to the actual conversation on Instagram. Yeah, it does take a lot of account self accountability so that you can be a product of the people that influence. You know, it's like that step mm. that you have to take. So because we talk about all of the, the traumas and the projections that people put on us and how you how you're dealing with that. But the root for me, I really believe is the and sometimes we don't know how to get there. We don't know what it takes to do it. But that's why people like you, again, I mentioned Wilson and certain other. It's like there was something in you that decided yeah. that I was going to do this this way and I wasn't going to be the same like everybody else. And now you are a part of a community, uh, a product that is going to influence and kind of change the narrative of those past projections and those past ideologies. So, and I, and I think it goes hands Thank in hand you. and it's like breaking it down to like, again, moment by moment, what can I do for myself yeah. so that I can change the narrative of what's going on? Because we all know, like I said, there's a lot of shit that's going on that we have to unpack. That's just like, I feel like I've learned this whole unpacking thing within the last five years. And it's like, it's never going to stop because Mm-mm. every time I'm faced with a challenge, a new idea, I'm like, okay, well, is this me? Is this my mama? Is this right. the school? Is this, who is this? And Place I have, and I have to figure out who that is. And within that takes a lot of a self accountability. So again, I can be a part of the one who changed the narrative. And if we get more people to, I guess, connect with themselves or something it's within true. themselves, then again, we can see more flows. We can see more Wilsons and then in turn kind of change the general narrative of what we think masculinity is, what we think femininity is, what we, all of those things. And it's just really important to really think about the self accountability part as well. Yeah. And when you talk about learning those things, as you like so beautifully laid out, a lot of this stuff, I'm not just learning this from straight black men. My, that's the point of the conversation you know what i'm saying yes. I, I'm, I'm gonna say folks that i know are flamboyantly out there because i almost slipped into the name where i'm like that person didn't tell me that so <laughs> let me not you know what i'm saying right. let me but you know juice lawrence who's on the show mm-hmm. yeah yes learned a lot from him won't speak on it but 
a lot and he don't even really know probably know that you know what I mean because like I said I, I have beautiful things to say about people in, their, mm-hmm. in my head Juice you know what I mean you two brothers you know what I'm saying I got my, my, my boy Willie you know what I'm saying um, the other people I can't name they're elders and they're in professional settings and so I don't want to do that right. but like like brothers that then helped me like I couldn't I, I needed I needed to get my clothes out of the cleaners mm-hmm. you know what I mean Gave me the extra funds, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not for no sexual exchange and that mm-hmm. little bro, get yours. Right. Especially because I I know what you're doing. Amen. That I part. see what you're doing. That part. And again, because of who you are and who you decided to show up as, and that self accountability, we can have these conversations and these exchanges that don't necessarily mean anything but community and fellowship and mm-hmm. helping each other out, which is the root of where we want to be at. Right. And, and and the emotional intelligence, and I'm not saying that gay men or queer men have a premium or a, a monopoly on it. Yeah. But I've I've been able to tap into forms of that like emotional intelligence that I have yeah. buried underneath yes. through those those brothers that yes. I have. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, you just really you can't discriminate. Like knowledge don't discriminate. Mm-hmm. So you can't discriminate where you get your knowledge from. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I agree with, with that shit 100. You do. You're a product. You could look. When you t- when y'all were talking about this minutia of like b- black sh- um, heterosexual men in particular coming together with black queer men, yeah. gay men, and like th- these are the bros, this yeah. family, all of us have some of that in us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that y'all weren't saying that. I just wanted to name that out because on the other end of the spectrum, what we don't realize with the self work is there's a lot of unconscious bias in all of us. Absolutely. To the point that you said, because heteronormative um, black men is the norm. You got, we we didn't talk about the other side of it, which I don't think is as prevalent. Well, I won't say prevalent. I don't think is as, as um, in need of attention right now because Mm -hmm. the the numbers, the decks is so, you know, unevenly stacked. You know what I mean? Like when we talk just on a numerical level, that that that's something we could like i'm just pulling numbers out of air in the, in the queer community we could tackle that in like five ten years maybe mm-hmm. in, the, in the heterosexual community mm-hmm. it might take a, a, a couple decades yeah, right yeah, yeah. so i think that's, that's why the, the focus on the unconscious bias we have is really really directed towards like heterosexual black mm-hmm. men and i think that that is something that i've even had to lean into more mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i think part of that it's like when you talk about negotiating privilege the other end of it, I don't want to go too into it because I want to encourage and employ like other black heterosexual men, especially from the hood, to step into this this energy I'm I'm moving with. But you know, you going it's going to be brothers that just can't rock with what you're doing, and yeah, yeah. because like I've noticed, and but the only thing in life is constant is change. Yeah, and so I've noticed my position in my hood change a little bit, mainly for the better. You know what I'm saying? But you're you being in your body as a person who's in touch with your emotions not afraid to be vulnerable you know what i mean i love i, I thrive off connection human connection especially yeah, with black right. people yeah, you know yeah I mean? black and brown people Same. but that black you know is it hit a little different right but like i've noticed that certain people like you could tell they don't respect themselves so i'm not tripping off it but their respect for me has has lessened mm. because they can't understand mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not saying that it's completely diminished where a conversation will happen, but my time is a lot more limited. Mm-hmm. And I don't spend as much time in my hood as I would like to. And when I am, I'm usually addressing the folks or, you know, I'm there trying to figure out a solution or, you know what I mean? I'm going to see the people that, like, if I ain't got no way to go, I'm always be able to go there. So you got to spend a little extra time with them. That's right. So my time is a bit more limited in the hood. So now they're stuck with the illusion of social media 
and right. that's the you know that and, thing yeah you know and so now it's like you know are you hollywood or you know is flow yeah. gay and stuff like you know questions which i don't at this point those those things don't move me because like i don't i personally am not into like men Mm-hmm. But I can admire a man, but I do also like my understanding of energy with my name being flow is like, you know, what I mean, I found transsexual women like attractive, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, like, and it was one 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 friend of mine. She recently let me know that she was transgender, uh, transgender. Actually, I apologize. I just realized mm-hmm. transgender is like dated, right? Yeah. Transsexual. I mean, I don't really hear trans. Transgender is what I hear most people. Yeah. Yes. Well, there was no malice with the transsexual. Yeah, use of term it just came came out from conditioning but mm-hmm. it was a, a woman that just let me know she was transgender mm-hmm. I didn't know and I worked very closely with her I still work very closely with her yeah. in, in political spaces and I don't even know what like pushed her to tell me because nobody knew you know when you talk about passing yeah I don't think anybody knew yeah you know what I'm saying and and that that interaction um and then there's like one or I think two she more kn- I, I when we talk about empathy I think she could feel through your speech, through your spirit, she did the level that. of empathy that you have, and again, the safe Facts. space that you're able to create for for people. She did. So a that. lot of times, that stuff will just come to you without even you don't have to ask or prize because wow. again, who you are and and what you're rooted in is is a level of empathy for people, you mm. know, and humanity and and blackness. Mm. And I think that a lot of that will come to you. Will you you uh, all the time happens to people just tell you stuff. You know what I mean? Don't, didn't even ask, but it's because of what you're rooted in, and 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 being able to recognize that that level of energy rooted in empathy. Yeah, but I just I you know I I don't want to get into the Malik Yoba situation because I have concerns and reservations about what oh, motivated yeah. him to do mm-hmm. that and what right. Um, and that's just yep. gonna be the case for anybody. But you know, I also do rec- um understand the spectrum of the young brother that committed suicide because he was getting pushed back. And I think you know this is this is not that conversation necessarily. But what I'm saying is I can you can find a track like does that make me gay because I found a tra- a transgender woman attractive. Maybe it, but some people, maybe it does, mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't. You deal with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Where I'm sticking and in, 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 in putting my penis is ultimately up that to is me. Your, why is everybody in everybody else's that's bedroom? Why, that's why it's like, when you actually really think about it, it's so convoluted because there's so many issues that we, we are trying to get through and trying to push through. But somehow there's a way that we get to this perverse, you know, notion of wanting to know what you doing in your bedroom. I remember just even going into new workspaces. And for me, I feel like I show up gay as hell, but other people see otherwise. But when I used to show up in new, is he gay or is he straight? I would literally hear the thoughts of people saying, and it's like, I get that shut now. the fuck up. Like, who cares? Like, I'm not here That's to fuck crazy. none of y'all. I'm here to work. So why is that even a conversation that we're having here? Mm-hmm. I, You know, you just made me think, because I even get, and I would I would say it happened, it, it happened before Grapevine, even when I was like, when I was, like I remember, I said, I said we started wearing tight clothes in the hood. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people was like, "Yo, you gay?" Because I went, I went, quote unquote, a little too tight. You know, I was, you know, everybody was figuring out their, 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 their yeah, their, yeah it was rough. But Lord behold, everybody looking wearing blouses, looking like Migos. No shit, I love them. But now they got blouses, literal blouses. They didn't even buy them from a a, a, a guy store or whatever. They went it's straight li- to the female. Literally section. went to like so. It's it's just crazy. Which we need to just really. It shouldn't be a male female set. Right, That's a larger exactly. conversation. But my point mm-hmm. in that being, ever since being on Grapevine that's happened a lot more I noticed and it's fine with me but what I've noticed that adds to it because it would be a disservice to just say oh because I'm on grapevine is happening the way that I engage with women 
is not the prototypical way in which a heteronormal heteronormative black male would engage with with with, with women. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I'm a I'm a sapiosexual and I forget the um sophisticated word for when you're um you know gravitate towards people through emotional connections Mm -hmm. but it's those two things primarily obviously i see something i like you know i'm a look or whatever but especially as i'm coming 30 like my my ideals for beauty are very different yeah um and i can i don't even have a type if i showed you the women i dated it's like i say the same thing i say the same yeah yeah you know but but i think people especially because i'm strong black man and i talk and all that you know whatever Mm -hmm. you know you could put me put me in the in the in the heteronormative box i fit there sometimes i Mm -hmm. think right yeah i'm not fixated on women when i walk in a room you know what i'm saying and then the way i'll go and give a compliment is almost like, and you know, I'm I'm using these general generals like you know ideas of these things. How people say it is the way a gay man would go and give like it's it's like appreciative mm-hmm. as opposed to um, objective, right? Yeah, yeah. which I, and I had to unlearn that, right? Because I'm and, and you know, there's still objectification that happens with me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like my primal instincts kick in, but like why why should I? Why should it be out of the norm for me to give an appreciative compliment of a black woman? Mm-hmm. And then, like, I do it in the streets. I don't. I keep moving. You know, you yeah, know, like right. the Trav Q guy. I like that. And then you keep going. Yeah, right. I'm not saying I do it in that way, but it's like I, I, I've come to realize and listening to women, black women in particularly, more often, they often feel like a compliment is supposed to be met with at some sort of exchange. That's right. And so, whether it's awkward or whatever I'm doing, my my point that I'm trying to like get through with that is. I see you, you're beautiful, you're gorgeous. I like this particular thing. If it's a particular thing, I'm gonna go about my day. Yeah. And that might be my, my soulmate, you know what I mean? Somebody mean like you missing your soulmate, but if it's meant to be, it'll come back around. You know what I mean? I think it's more important for me mm-hmm. yeah. to once express that. Right. But then also for that woman to know mm-hmm. Brad like he walking like eighty miles because I move fast in the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? When my headphones on, he just stopped, said whatever to me and kept going. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure they're like, what? What just happened? Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, you, you, you the shit. That's what happened, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just telling you know, right. and I, I, don't, I don't need to harass you no. about it. I don't need to look at you for 20 minutes down the block. Listen, and, 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 yeah. And peer pressure is a thing. A lot of the dudes on the street, they don't even want to do they that. They just learn how to do that shit. Yeah, they don't want to do that. And that's why it's not organic. It's it's really it's, it's not organic. Not, it's mm-hmm. all performative. Yeah, it's acting. And and I and I would say, like you know, coming up. As a, you know, a 14 year old, a 15 year old, I've mentioned on the show countless times, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, being told like you're, you're, you are obligated at this age with being a man and having a penis that you need to have sex with multiple women. If you don't hurry up, yo, mm-hmm. you're literally taught to act like a beast. I was taught to be to act no, like a beast a at a very, very young age. So anything that I would have done pro- after that moment would have been performative. It would have been because somebody told me mm-hmm. to do that. Nobody said, how are you feeling right now? Are you talking to any anyone right. at all? Are you, what, what kind of an experience? People inserting their version of masculinity on you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this, is, this is what becomes very interesting about this conversation is that the who, uh, just two things. One is the who are you? The who are you, I said, at the earlier is very very important because it unleashes Mm -hmm. you go down a rabbit hole you ask a lot more questions Mm -hmm. after you ask a powerful conversation like who are you because then you have to ask what do you like Mm -hmm. what makes you feel comfortable what makes you feel the happiest well what do you want to do with your life and why and why do you want to do that what's special about you what's unique about you now these this interrogative type of 
questioning of oneself is already not what falls in line with typical masculinity. Because in typical masculinity, as we're taught, is that the woman is a questioner, she's nagging, she's the one who has that type of disposition while the man remains silent. He keeps a lot of those things to himself. Mm-hmm. We don't really engage in amazing conversations. You know, Steve Harvey preaches to women. You know, a lot of these <laughs> male advice givers preaches to women. We don't preach to each other a lot. Right. This is very, very interesting. Now, when you go into the idea of even loneliness as an experience, I believe personally that whatever you water grows, so whatever it is Mm. that you give attention to gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, I think loneliness is a lot of our little pets. Like we have it here. We are connected to it. It's our gigapet. (laughs) You know, you remember them gigapets, but it's a, it's a part of us. And I think in order to cope with loneliness, you have to embrace loneliness. Absolutely. It's, It's one of those things where, the pers- the perspective changes once you acknowledge certain things. So if you acknowledge that you've been impacted by a society that has defined masculinity for you, specifically black masculinity, and you've decided to take that on, and at certain times you feel like you have to be silent because you can't tell your truth, then that may mean that you are having a lonely experience. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're lonely, when you spend time with yourself, And you embrace loneliness and you're actually willing to say, like, why do I feel lonely? Well, I feel lonely because X, Y, I can't say X, Y, Z. Then what will happen if you say it? Mm. What will happen if you say it? You may physically be lonely. Maybe people will walk away from you. Maybe people won't appreciate you as much. Maybe people think that you're fucking weird and you'll be by yourself. You'll then be physically Mm. alone. Mm. What I've learned is that, like, if you're lonely you have to embrace the loneliness in order to grow. You have to be lonely. Mm-hmm. You have to ask those empowering questions and you have to think about loneliness as a transitionary period to being fine, being alone, mm-hmm. which is a very, very, which is a very, very different thing. And it's, it's a process because even if you're happy, right. Or joyful, you know, you want to amplify that. Yeah. You want to amplify it organically. For sure. You want to experience more of that shit. And healthily. And healthily, because, you know, we all have, yeah, it, can yeah. get, it can get, but when you say healthily, that's, that's great. That's actually a great thing to put on there, a great adjective to put on there. If you're healthily happy, you want to continue that. So what do you do that? Well, why does this make me happy? How can I get more mm-hmm. of it? How can I exactly. do this? Yeah, yeah. The thing about loneliness is that people avoid, avoid it. it. Yeah. So you experience it, you live in it, but you avoid it right you never deal with it's it you never there. tackle it you never master it you never use it and turn it into what it will be useful for or fruitful so loneliness has become something that has become tethered to silence mm. um and then we only acknowledge it when it's national suicide month or we acknowledge it when somebody in the hood who you never thought would commit suicide committed suicide right, right? Mm-hmm. um and in in this way i feel like we talked about spending time with yourself and embracing the darkness and all of these types of things. I wish if we could look at loneliness as just another ride at the amusement park. Mm -hmm. Very, very fearful. Very, very frightening. It goes really, really high. It drops you really, 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 really low. Really fast. Really, really fast. It's very, very frightening, but it is there so that you could ultimately have the best well-rounded time that you can possibly have. And I think that because we are, because men are taught not to really tackle 
you know, you talked about emotional intelligence. We're not really taught to like go at that it's thing, not a conversation. like you right. know, put on your breastplate as a dude and like go tackle this shit because yeah. you are your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. So you tackle yourself first, and the and that's it. Anybody mm-hmm. else out there, regardless if they call you a faggot, regardless if they call you a nigga, whatever, it doesn't, suck it, it up it, and it, keep right. going. It doesn't. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. because you have made the decision to make room for yourself, mm-hmm. and you can't do that shit without the dark period. Right right the loneliness period but the thing is is that we're in it and it has consumed us and we haven't taken ownership of that bitch and i and 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 i know for a for a fact that in having a conversation with that straight black man the other day and i saw the loneliness in him i wanted to liberate him Mm -hmm. that became my goal i was like not somebody who's this close to me and who's will and and i know he he had a a recent traumatic event as well Mm. and i feel like Every day, black men are experiencing trauma. Once again... 61% of us have lost a friend. That's crazy. 61% of us. In in comparison to, I think, 29% of white men. Yeah. Just the Mm -hmm. perspective. Right. But this is is it. This is crazy. And I also believe that, to your point of, like, embracing the loneliness because it's rooted in silence, I think um, more often than not, we will... We could find ourselves finding liberation in our loneliness yeah um because again we're kind of hiding from all the things that people project on us you know there's a um so once you actually release the silence or unsilence yourself i i could believe that you'll find a lot of people on the other side who will embrace you and who will find those commonalities and who like i see you i feel that too and probably open up a whole different community world exposure that you probably wouldn't even have been able to see or experience if you didn't unsilence yourself. So yeah. I think that's important to really like really understand as well. Yeah, facts. I agree with that. And the craziest thing about it is you talking about me. Um mm-hmm. you know, I look back on relationships that I've had in in the in, in the least at least aspects of the relationships I've had like in my hood, just people I grew up with and seeing how certain aspects of that relationship were like a crutch. Mm -hmm. They weren't edifying me. They were holding me back. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until I started speaking out more. You know what I mean? These were things that I would have these conversations with these people that I grew up with, and it just certain things wasn't resonating. It was like throwing a brick at a wall. You know what I'm saying? And and that's not like no shade. You know what I mean? People got their own process, and times they grow. But now, and how I've told you, like, my, my relationship to like how people relate to me in my neighborhood has changed mm-hmm. is because like you said Donovan what you what you water grows mm-hmm. I've taken more time to water more of my garden yeah and so now I've got branches going here and here mm-hmm. and then when you extend the olive branch to somebody that doesn't recognize what that is it it could come off as offensive absolutely or it can make you like why are you blocking? I had this part of the, the forest. Why are you blocking my, my view? I'm, I need some of that sun, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like, if you just get a little more water mm-hmm. on this part of the tree, you know, and, and just to really round that out, we talking about lightness and darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Light work. Yep. One thing people talk about with what I do is like, you go into some really dark places and you talk, you, you vulnerability. Mm-hmm. The power is, is very much in the, I'm going to be honest with you. I, my family come from Harlem. My mom and my aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. My generation, me, because my older brother, he's six years older than me, and he moved to Cali when he was twelve. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I was the oldest in the house. I was mm-hmm. the man. I was the co-head of the house at twelve. I uh, was well, 
seven. I really stepped into it at like thirteen, which you know, there's right. toxicity in that as well. But we 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 responded or reacting to our environments. Yeah, I had to make my name for the family there. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. like, you try to. You know, my mom was very liberating in the way she raised me, very progressive. Like, you know, she said, men have emotions. You can cry. Like, she basically, she told me to break all the rules. I didn't, I didn't, like, literally, I think I might have said it on the show, but I've definitely said this to people before. I did not realize these rules were so for real until I became, like, a man. Mm -hmm. And that's when the the reinforcement of the norms come even harder. And I'm, like, having a real time, like, revelation because like, my oh, mama said i could do this and y'all motherfuckers are telling me what yeah you know and, and then that felt it felt normal right that was the other part about it it wasn't just oh because mama said you know i mean obviously mama said yeah well, but mama that's said, how go. It was, that yeah it, it fostered it, it. Yeah, but yeah. but in her doing that you know i was able to find out who i am mm-hmm. yeah what i liked why because you because you, know? you get to explore it within the freedom yes you can't explore in the cage you can't mm-hmm. explore in the box on the, on the contrary my grandmother you know a lot more dogmatic you know mm-hmm. it's like kids are to be seen and not heard you know mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of us is growing this goes back to my my point i made with certain young men black men in their relationship with the, the women that took care of them yeah if because that was something I, I felt even with my mother's like championing me i realized i had some unpacking to do around feeling silenced in a room full of women or mm-hmm. around women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is crazy, right? Because we know in in, in society, the spoken ones, they're the ones who speak. They're you know, yeah. but also who's given the platforms. Like even with them doing that, men are still pushed out in front. Yeah, on on a wide scale from mainstream yeah. society, may not be mostly us. You know, and when I say us, I don't mean just like um, heterosexual or or queer, but like us, our archetypes. Like we mm-hmm. might have not seen us on the screen. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But um, there yeah. was a black man up there, or there was at least a man. But not our version. It wasn't our version, right? But the world is just showing you like. Mm-hmm you're there you know whereas it wasn't even a second thought that women would have something to say like when you look at political analysts or sports analysts there's always like one woman you know yeah. what I mean? and she's either black or white or you know and like, they talk a certain type of way and it's very <laughs> right yeah. you know but my experience was i had all of these colorful beautiful different right. kinds of women who like was just not realizing they're responding to certain traumas and isms you know but in my mind i'm like these is the women that's like telling me shut up steven you get boy get out of here mm-hmm. and now i get in a room full of women who they've been experiencing what i've experienced and now those two things wow headbutt mm-hmm. and then this is where we come back with empathy again i know i brought the women in but i'm just it's the collectiveness yeah. Yeah. piece of it because what that then you got to think about it on on a, on a conversation of emasculation because it does happen, but a lot of stuff we say this emasculating is not actually emasculating. Right. But when it actually happens and you feel emasculated because you feel shamed that you were shut shut up and whether it was deserved or not, but that empathy wasn't extended to you because you're a man and you should be able to hold your own in a conversation. Of the false narratives of masculinity. False narratives of masculinity, you know, but the outside is going to view it that way. You you not supposed to hit women. A lot of men do hit women, unfortunately. But you can't hit women because that's not manly. Mm-hmm. So I gotta go snuff Donovan. Mm-hmm. I got I gotta go talk about why Will's pants is so tight. Why he got a rainbow in his pants? Because mm-hmm. because Shorty just shut me up. I, I can't. do have a rainbow stripe on my. Pants, oh yeah, so they fire by the way. They yes, fire. I said that's the only thing I probably wear with a rainbow on it. Yeah yeah, you know because I he mean, actually I, hates the way the rainbow looks. No I think it's tacky. <laughs> like I, I just personally think all the colors together on, right. on it's a lot on right? products. His, I'm like that's nasty. His designy ass. I mean, look at his apartment, but his ass is designed. <laughs> he's like, 
but all those colors don't go together, brother. <laughs> I was like, but that's stripe. I, I will wear that. It's a little, you got to taste. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's money. But yeah, you know, empathy, empathy and vulnerability, my entire existence and, and me creating space for me was on the back of my vulnerability because that was all I had. Yeah, wow. man. You know, man. and it's such a powerful awareness. And what I will say is that those are two things that I, that are often tied with, you know, softness or mm-hmm. femininity. And that is the thing. Your liberation is outside of those gates and that, and it's in vulnerability. It's in being able to say like, this is my genuine experience because that, that genuine experience is why some of your favorite people are your favorite people exactly yeah that genuine experience is that is why some of the millionaires we have are the millionaires Mm -hmm. we have because they took the road less traveled by which is to say like yo this is how i feel this is who i am this is this is who i want to be this is my desire you know i've spoken with a straight man who said that his straight that his relationships with other straight men are very shallow. They yeah. don't go very deep. And when you bring up something that may be of consequence, people laugh or they may make a joke and it's like, fuck, like I don't want to. So you just tell a joke back mm-hmm. and you move on and you never finish. And you, you never isolate, unpack it. You never isolate um, that self, yep. that part of yourself, that uh, conversation that you want to have. And, and then what? You, you, you're you lonely. Lonely. I was about to say wow. that's adding to your loneliness you're, composite. You're lonely. <laughs> you're lonely. It's just that shit is so, it's just so, so, so deep. And to me, I think depth is well, literally how when we plant something, we put it deep into the ground and we water that motherfucker and we just look at the experience in, in a way that's not attractive. But it is you doing it for yeah. you. And, you know, I think that it's imperative that men talk to men and mm-hmm. be honest about that shit and, this, and, and also embrace the fact that vulnerability and, like, emotional intelligence is not in fact feminine right like this is what it means to be a man yeah it's showing up yeah because like a man must own who he is right a man must be honest about what he's experiencing so that he can fully if you want to lead lead if you don't don't but but, but in order to even know what you want you have to know who you are and Mm -hmm. where you come from and if you're not willing to be vulnerable and as a man make a decision to do things that are healthy you know i'll say this for myself you know, I remember when I was uh, a very mean gay, as in like, not naturally mean, but really, 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 really good at be- at hiding. Very, very, very good at lashing because I always felt lashed. Yeah. And it was easier. You gave what you received. I gave what I received. And I developed that in my loneliness because I didn't focus on how to liberate myself mm-hmm. from feeling lonely about what other people That's said. That's powerful. What I did was that I mastered how to cope mm-hmm. with people not accepting me for who I was. So mastering the cope meant, meant that I can lash these people mm-hmm. really well because I'm smart. I can think of what to say really fast. I can, I can cut them it. at the knees. I can cut them at the knees. And I became an expert at that. And I failed myself in other areas. And it wasn't until what? Vulnerability that I decided, yo, I'm going to go up to these people and I don't know how they're going to react, but I'm going to tell them that I'm gay. And it was in those moments of not knowing if somebody's going to say, yo, I love you or I hate you, Mm. that I found peace. Mm -hmm. I found peace in the fear. I found peace in the darkness. I found peace in the vulnerability. And what it did was that it gave birth to new fruit, Mm -hmm. new plant, new life, which said that these people are for me and these people aren't aren't for me. And then I I was able to kind of once again do my gardening in a safe space. Mm. Everything that I planted, everything that I grew was authentic. 
what's good for me, Mm -hmm. what's good for my body, my mind, my spirit. I don't plant things that aren't good for me anymore. I try my best. Let's let's rewind that. I don't, I I try my best not to plant things that aren't good for me. And when uh, that time comes up, because it comes up, that loneliness, it comes up like a bitch. Because sometimes you got to bake a little bit more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to be watering this side mm-hmm. a little bit more. And that loneliness is always to highlight those moments for me. So I know that whenever I'm like, damn, like nobody's around. I don't want to be here by myself. Blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, damn, I'm feeling some type of way. And then I start down that rabbit hole of that of questioning. I'm like, I'm so by the end of the day, I'm like, I'm so glad I got to spend this time by myself. Yep. Right. It just becomes a different experience because I was that guy who was always bored. And always, you know, I wish if there was something to do. No, you are lonely and running away from yourself. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that because I didn't care enough to go that deep Mm. at that particular time, you know. And I just, you know, I don't know how we we would make this this notion of self-care more applicable to people who don't who've never been cared for by a society or to make that seem like something that can permeate Mm -hmm. the guards that we put up just to be safe, safe in terms of just being alive. Because black people, we know how to survive, but we don't know how to thrive yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's a new conversation. That's a new, brand new conversation. So I, I think like, you know, men hosting conversations, men creating safe spaces for other men, to me is a tool. And I feel like it's something that's been completely underutilized. You think about like the biggest fraternities, you think about these big, um, you know, organizations where you can go and golf, these clubs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. A lot of the things that's what's going on on in the underbelly is that there's a lot of fortification. Maybe that's fortification against like career path and fortification against who you're going to marry. And like, you know, like how we're going to do that strategic strategically. Um, There's a lot of manipulation that goes on, but it does feed into how do we create safer and better spaces to keep white people in power, to make sure that, you know, the Jewish, Jewish kids will continue to speak Hebrew where they have Hebrew school, you know, and all of these things, black folks, we do not have that shit. And it's, it's now time that we create that space for each other. I think that women do a really, really, really good job at bringing a lot of the vulnerability to the table. I think like now, the pendulum is kind of like a little bit higher where women are starting to lash out and say like, we're not dealing with certain things anymore, but I do believe and they shouldn't have to at and, this point. And they shouldn't have to, but I, I think that the pendulum does come back mm-hmm. down and I think it does swing the other way. And I think a part of how we can do that in an effective way is for men to see the momentum coming down and not get run super defensive it. about it or run from it, but it's to jump on top of that and say, in which way can I slow this down where we're not always running from or mm-hmm. towards each other, but more so that we're seeing each other and moving and flowing flowing with each other i like that yes and i think like that that for me is what i want to see and i think that the key is for us it's not about women telling us what Mm -hmm. we do wrong and right even though we should always be listening to that Mm -hmm. it's for those of us who understand how certain things have liberated us certain things have you know gained gained us more comfortability and brought us joy in our lives right and it's not it's not thoughtum. It's not being a hot boy. It's not satisfying the thirst of social media that only wants a dollar at the end of the day. Mm. It's about you wanting more for yourself in real life. Mm. And I don't know how we make that cool. You know what I'm saying? I got two. Ooh. Two ideas. Um, that's crazy you was going there. I didn't know you was going to go there. Mm. Um, money and finances are very tied to our emotions. Mm-hmm. Oh, listen, facts. Um, and a lot of us don't realize that. And so if, you know, the emotional IQ and having better connections isn't enough of like a motivation, 
the better you understand your own emotions and yourself and how that interacts with external forces, mm-hmm. the better you will be with your money. Listen. Yeah. You know? Um, and and we love coin. Hey. Right. I, and, and that's something that I got partially out of. I mean, that just is common sense for anybody that understands EQ. But mm-hmm. I got that from the Laws of Human Nature book by Robert Greene. That's mm-hmm. something I just started reading. Um, I was told to read it like a Bible, so I'll be moving Shit, through that I'll very I'll be reading slowly. that too. I've never read that. Yeah. Um, and another one is... Um, Ah, just lost it. But this the cry, the crying something man, Jason. I forget his name. I'm so sorry, but we'll get it. We'll get it for them. Yeah, but um, the other aspect is, you know, for for those heterosexual men, women in this day and age, the thing they're more attracted, especially as they continue to get these accolades, and they don't, they they're not wanting for materialistic things and 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 things of that nature from men. What's sexy to them is a man who is emotionally intelligent, Mm -hmm. a man who can sit down and have those conversations. Like the thing that Jay-Z was talking about with Beyonce, a a wife that to sit down and bounce ideas with at night. Mm -hmm. The other end of that conversation is that she also finds that attractive and she's seeking that out. So women want more thought partners than anything right now, because if we just go off of like um, statistics, you know, we ain't really fit <laughs> to come and fit, fill the bill right. of as a collective, but even beyond the women aspect of it, people in general. Yeah. So a big part of why I could be in this room, like y'all said, and had this conversation, and it, I, I said it when I came, and I said, I'm going to learn a lot today. Mm-hmm. I was able to learn all of this because of how in tune I am with my emotions, and in that way we're able to kind of have this emotional orgy, values. right? Yeah, For right. all of the homophobia, we just had an emotional mm-hmm. orgy. Take that, take that, take that. Ooh. Who came oh, anyway? Yes. That was like, well, we actually, all did. Yeah, we oh, all man. did. Not, we did. No, we did. But yeah. you get what I'm saying? Like, this is fellowship mm-hmm. yeah. and adding this value to ourselves. Yes, like oh, value. Man. And the dopest part for me is the bond we just created because bonds are built on shared memories and experiences. Yeah. Only us three. Everybody else is gonna get to hear it, but none of y'all was in this room. Yeah. And this is something we get to hold and cherish forever. So when we move on and we transition, you know what I mean? Because we all got a date. Yeah. All of us got this moment. Yeah. yeah. And I'm that's, grateful for it. Yeah, showing up. Mm-hmm. That's what you said, yeah. Will, showing, showing up. up. Yeah. And I think that's the most, when we're talking about masculinity, that's probably the most masculine thing you can do is show up. Absolutely. Because, you know, one thing that I, I naturally, if I'm walking, I naturally walk in the back. Yeah. Just to see and make sure. Everybody's. You know. And I, there was a point in my life, I would, I would say like college, you know, very, very skinny, a strong 140 pounds, <laughs> six feet tall. And he was cut up, though. He was cut up. You know, a little something, something every now and then. Yeah. But, you know, like, I remember feeling like this whole masculine, feminine thing is rocking my world right now because it's annoying as fuck. I feel very feminine in certain ways. I feel very masculine in certain ways. And I think, like, as I've embraced, I've said this before, but as I've embraced femininity, as I've embraced having a straight friend allowing him to be his entire self with me i know that he don't act like that i know he's not that person with everybody else but knowing that even as i give him advice about women that he takes that shit seriously because we created a bond with each Mm -hmm. other we were both vulnerable to create a bond with each other it makes me feel like even in these moments i still get to have the back of straight black men yep in that i still am i'm still an alpha personality here I, that doesn't get robbed of me not at all i'm still somebody here who can protect everybody that mm-hmm. doesn't get robbed of me and for and for my straight black cis friend to be like he got it i don't gotta worry about shit if donovan's there you know 
it I, I was fortunate enough to have these experiences, but looking that looking at, at that in retrospect, I'm like, this is why these kind of conversations fuel me. Because it's not a matter of is it true or is it not? It's a it's a matter of have you decided mm-hmm. to step into your truth or have you not? And one is framed about it's kind of like up in the air in the cloud somewhere. And the other one is very practical and very pragmatic. If you want to change, you have to do something different. Yep. And there is no way to have a full picture being comfortable mm-hmm. with only engaging with part parts of the of conversation your, yeah. mm-hmm. or, or parts, parts of, of yourself. yourself. Mm-hmm. So in that way, if you are, to your point, Will, and to your point, if you are, in fact, real willing and ready to have a real boy to man experience you have to understand that a part of being a boy may have been having the blue room and having the tonka truck but to be a man is to be fully it's to fully know what the people around you who they are and what they want right that's how you have a peaceful life but before you get to that you have to know who you are and what you want Mm -hmm. so you have to use your, your loneliness to grow you and you have to be committed to using all of the tools to get through it which means femininity Mm-hmm. which means the the ideas of people who are not like key. you. Femininity yeah. is the growing and the nourishing. And yes. The, you know yes. what I'm saying? And, and, and that's why people people get caught up in saying, oh, well, men nourish and take care. Yeah, when they're tapping into their feminine energy. Absolutely. So it, feminine doesn't mean only women. Mm-hmm. Only You know what I mean? Like th- there's energy that is more conducive for particular environments and, and functions. Yeah. And so the mastery. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Also. Yeah. Listen, oh you know, gosh. you know how I say we can go, go on, 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 we can go on and on and on and on and on and on about this. Um, so yes, to close it out, I just want to ask Flo one last question. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that we're starting. You know, we have this idea of what no days off is, and it's like taking full accountability, getting to know yourself, and like really, even if it's taking a day off for yourself, taking no days off for yourself. But based off of the conversation, knowing no days off, what does no days off mean to you, and how would you apply that? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. Has that question? No days off for me. To be honest, and this is gonna sound like so simplistic, but you know, less is more. Remembering that before my human experience is my spiritual experience, Mm. and that work. Well, like, you know how they say activism is a thankless job. That is the work that only you and your higher power or whatever you if, if you don't, if you are the higher power mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day, you you at the center of that. Yeah. You know if you're doing that work or not. And there's no quote unquote tangible way to know. Dang, did I put in all that? I, that I water all of my my my, my sanity. Did I water all of my, 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 my joy? Did I water all of like, you know, my morning process? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to start there. And, and then I think when you're doing that on a no days off basis, because even knowing, you know what? There's a little bit too much water in this garden today. We're going to keep the water right where it's at. We're going to mm-hmm. keep the picture there. Mm-hmm. That's right. Taking that day, it allows you to then go to that 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 thing that people say where I'm a, I'm a human first. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that. A lot of people try to emulate that but without being in tune with your spirit you can't do that and so for me i think it's never never like letting it get beside me or lost upon me that you know my spirit is always having experiences known and unknown Mm -hmm. and i need to get to those asap because the world 
this material world is trying to tell you that you know in so many ways that spiritual stuff is garbage you know what i mean it's true it, it you know it's, it's either, you either see it or you don't and it's like well there's a lot of things like first off my air my oxygen mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't ever see air mm-hmm. uh, right. it's it, a miracle every but time it's, it's necessary you know and so that's what no days off looks like for me just remembering like i'm a spirit first and allow that to flow through me and flow through everybody else and then everybody will continue to resonate with flow you know what I come mean? Come on, Flo. Awesome. Yeah. Come on, Flo. Yes. I thought that in my Shonda. Hey. hey. So you know what we say. Take us out, brother. All right. So take a little time to get to know yourself. Take no shit. And take no, no days, days off. off. Thank Holla. you so much, Flo, for Flo, joining you're us. You're amazing. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better conversation. And yeah. And how do people find you? Oh, man. On Instagram, Flow Like It's 89. That's F L O W. Everything else is spelled the same. If you can't spell, oh well. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, Mr. Steven Pacheco. That's M R S T E V E N P A C H E C O. Or you could just go to my website, which is what I should have said first, StevenPacheco.com. Hey. Listen, that was perfect. And I come back anytime, man. This was beautiful. Oh, man. you're definitely Therapy right, definitely. right here. This was definitely. amazing. It was way better than I even anticipated. Uh, same yeah. here. So thank yes. you. Thank you. Y'all, my you. brothers for life, man. Hey. Mm-hmm. You heard that here, y'all. Y'all heard it. All right. Alright, peace out. Peace out, y'all. No days off.